Why is that? I don't know. It just feels when you it's when you say turn my shit up, the engineers and the producers feel like, oh shit, this nigga just turned this shit up. He's about to go in. Oh. It gives you the impression that you're about to spit the hottest sixteen of your life. Sixteen? It, what is sixteen? Sixteen mean? bars in a okay. song. Like okay. a like in, in you don't know this? No. So nobody's ever come up to you and say, um, uh, nobody's <laughs> ever come up to you and say, um, let me get your 16, spit hot, uh, a hot 16. Nobody's ever said that to Never you. Never in my life have I heard that expression. You need to change the places you hang out, son. <laughs> For real, man. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I'm not trying. I'm just saying, because I'm pretty sure there are places you would have, all the people, all the black people you know, all the rappers, and nobody, nobody's, has, asked nobody's rap. ever asked you to spit? No. No, never. I've never spit. Have you ever practiced? Never. Come on, Joe. Don't lie, never. bro. I'm not lying. No, bro. No. You don't, you don't have any time. Is, you don't. Is that time for black people or time for rap? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to figure time out. Time for you, me to rap. I like listening, but right. I've done zero rap so in you myself. Like, you like, you like, you like, <laughs> I don't know. People got little slick ways of saying stuff, man. <laughs> no, I don't have any time to so be you, rapping. There, there's a I limit my, my, what I try to do. Okay, you don't have time for rap. I don't have time to do it. I like listening. Okay, this is the point I'm making about okay. spitting. If you listen to it, there's probably a song that you like. And there's never been a time in your life you've been in the mirror out of the shower that it, it felt good to you and you tried to... Spitting is the same as repeating the, everything that the person said. Right. So not one, to, not one song that you like, you've never tried to sing a verse or, or, or a hook from that song. I've definitely done that. But no one's ever asked me to spit. So, if I ask you, what's your favorite rap song? Could you spit it? Would you be able to spit it? I would have to think about it. My favorite? What would my favorite be? I like old school shit. Like, I like a lot of, like, Cool G rap. Oh, I like, you I like you, old shit. Yeah, so you take, oh, you going back almost to Sugar Hill days. Well, you remember not Sugar quite Hill? that far. Sure. Hip hop, hip it to the hip. You knew that motherfucker sure. was spitting, son. Yeah, I'm spitting. You oh, spitting. You <sighs> spitting, but don't spit for nobody in public, Because <laughs> you look too excited about it. You like, you hip, you hop to the hippie to the hippity hip hop. But if you remember that song, you remember when that song first came out, and I know I'm dating myself, you literally could get pussy if you knew every word to um, Rapper's Delight. I remember I was in junior high school. And yeah. people were playing it in the lunchroom. And on a record player, not record players, but tape cassettes. Box. Yeah, cassettes. With tape cassettes. I remember thinking, wow, this is a, like a new kind of music. It's a new kind of music. Not only the way you had to learn it, like it wasn't like now you could skip through the timeline to a song or whatever. You ha it was a cassette. So it would play. Then you right. had to rewind it right. back to that same spot and keep doing it. And you had to keep doing it until you learned all the words. But cassette players were fairly recent back then. So that was like when Sugar Hill came out was around the time cassette players were out where you could walk around and play the music. You didn't need a record player. You didn't have a record player. And what people would do with those boombox, you would record your favorite music from the radio from yes. from your boombox. Yep, yep. So you would have a nice little tape. You have a nice tape and you think it's like, oh, this shit is clear. Then you hear somebody say, Tisha, get the fuck off the stove. Because it was right, <laughs> it was it was recording right in in, in, in in actual time. Remember, a lot of them had two decks. So you yeah. could record other people's shit too. Yeah, a lot of black people had the white dudes in the suburbs had the double decks. The double deckers. Yeah, we had to sing. Double I was barely, decks were nice because you could get a friend and he had a cassette and you could copy that cassette. And, and, you, and then we would copy them. We had Go in D.C. That was really big with go-go music. Go, you know what go-go music sure, is? Go-go sure. music, it's like uh, African funk uh, 
uh, uh, jazz beat. It's like it's a lot of percussions. What's a good go-go music artist? Um, Rare Essence. Oh, okay. That's a band. Uh, Trouble Funk is a band. EU. I'm old school, so these were the biggest bands back then. Then he had this band called the Junkyard Band. You know, Junkyard Band, the way they started was they was really, they kind of like copied the, the Cosby, you know, the Cosby, Cosby show when he had that, the backyard band, they was on um, radar, ra- uh, radiators and stuff. Mm-hmm. And these were guys would just take buckets and cardboard and card and and, uh, and cowbells and wood blocks and just basically get a beat. Did but you, you didn't... Ever- Good. Sorry, did you ever listen to when the brand new heavies got together with uh, a bunch of different rappers and no. produced? It's a very interesting album. Um, there, there's like I think there's only one that they put out, but you you could get it off of iTunes, I think. But like Cool G Rap did one, um, a bunch of other a bunch of other guys did one, but they did like they rapped over like different kind of music. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, did it get popular? It was pretty popular back in the 90s. I think what yeah. was it was it Aerosmith and um Run know, DMC? Run DMC? Yeah, that was a big moment. That was some crazy shit. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, you knew for black me being a black person, we knew rap was going to the next level. We was like this. Yo, they fuck with the white boys now. <laughs> <laughs> Once you put that white boy vibe in there, man, it was like it was out there. and that was the first time that had ever been done. One of the things that we talked about Recently, I was saying, like, think about the the number, the sheer number of white rappers who have actually made it. It's a tiny, it's a tiny, bit. tiny number. Yeah. Like, if and you were a white rapper, it your was, kid, like, if your kid was a white rapper, and he's like, "Dad, I want to be a rapper," you're like, "Oh, good." First, luck. you got to get him. Yeah, but you got to give him a lot of black friends first. A lot of black because they're gonna beat his ass down, not physically, but mentally, right. mentally. And that's the same thing the black community did with um Eminem. Right, right. When Eminem first came out, every black person that appreciated rap or lyrics or flow knew he was good, but they was just wasn't going to give him a pass. It's like when you go in the military, you know, they treat the the, the, the new green person, the jeep person, sure. they treat him like shit, and that's what they did with Eminem. And Eminem just kept coming, coming with fire, kept coming with fire to the point where um, he he's respected as one of the best to ever do it. By the way, happy Veterans Day. Thank you. I appreciate you are it. a veteran. This I am. is the funniest veteran probably on the planet Earth, right across from. I me appreciate right now. it. I appreciate that. Um, uh, probably the reason why I got out of the military was my sense of humor. Really? Yeah, I kept getting in trouble. <laughs> I kept getting in trouble. I kept getting in trouble to the point where this was what I used to hear uh, almost every Monday. Airman, and I was in a position of attention. Airman Rollins, your blatant disregard for established military policy shows a lack of military burn and integrity. Wow. Every day. That's what they do when they give, give you a LOR, a letter of reprimand. Mm. And it's like a thing that you put in your file. Eventually, they're going to stack all those things up and try to kick you out. But when I was in the military, I, I got out. I, di- I didn't get out dishonorably. The only way you can get out dishonorably is if it's like during wartime or something like that. I got a um, I I got an honorable discharge, but I was that close to fucking my whole life up if I would have stayed. Yeah, yeah. They was gunning to kick me out. I just was, I just was on joke time all the time. <laughs> I was on joke time when I when I left. I was stationed in Kunsan, Korea. I left Kunsan, Korea, and I went to Bowling Air Force Base, Washington D.C. And I'm from D.C., so I was. They knew I was close to home, and every Monday they would give me a random drug test. Every Monday. <laughs> like Every Monday at 11 o'clock, I would get randomly tested for drugs. I always passed, but I knew that they thought something different to me, and I knew it was time. I did my four-year commitment, my four-year four enlistment, and then I broke out. What was it like being in Korea? For me, I had just, I was, when I went in, I went in the Air Force, I was 17. 
you know, you when you underage, your parents have to sign, give you permission for you to go. Why'd you go in so early? Because the way my birthday felt fell, some kind of way when I graduated from high school, because I was only seventeen, and I didn't plan on. I wasn't going to go to college. Um, I didn't really have a trade. And then for a lot of black people, um, that's the al- alternative. That's how you uh, explore the world. It's probably for some black people, it's the first time you ever got on an airplane, first time you've been off your block. So it was a good, it was a good transition from going to high school, not not doing anything. But I was just, I was a little kid. Like when I went to Kunsan Korea, like they didn't, I didn't know that there was no drinking age over there. When you're in the military, over in like a remote base, they do what they. They, they give you rations for alcohol. You can get four cases of beer or one case of beer is equivalent to a fifth of liquor. So you can get four bottles of liquor or two bottles of liquor, two cases of beer. But the, um, when they told me, how many, how do you want to separate your rations? I said, I'm too young to drink. They say, ain't no drinking age over here. First time I ever went to a liquor store in, in, on base, I ordered, I got like four-fifths of tequila mix. Wow. And you were 17. I was 17. I got four because I thought I didn't know what the fuck liquor was in. I had four. They was like, "You want to get any alcohol?" This I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry." It was just the fucking fruit flavor shit that you um mix add it. to it to mix mix it with. That's how young I was. Now, I was when, only when you when you get this ration of a case of beer or a month, a month. Oh, yeah. it's a month. Yeah, that's what it is. So twenty four beers a month you get. Yep. Hmm. But then people will hustle shit. It'll be like this. Right. All right, I'll give you a case of beer. It was almost like being in jail. I'll give you a case of beer for a cart of cigarettes. Mm. You know, <clears throat> and then people that didn't drink, they were selling rations. So it was a way, if you really had a problem, there was a way to get around it. I was scared of the military when I was a kid. Why? Because I thought, well, first of all, there, I was thinking about joining because I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. But you were thinking about joining to actually um, uh, <clears throat> fight for your country or just. No. No, there no. was no war right back then. Right. But there was, uh, they had a Taekwondo team. and uh, <laughs> You was going to join just to be on a Taekwondo team? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I needed to figure out a way to make a living while right. I was competing. Right. You know, when I was a kid, when I'm throughout high school and into my 20s, that's all I did was do fight in Taekwondo tournaments. It was my, like my oh, so whole life. So that makes sense. There was a dude named Clay Barber. He was uh, a national, high-level, highly-ranked guy. He was like two or three in the world. Uh, two or three in the country, and he uh, was uh, an army guy. He had a job in the army, and he was on the army taekwondo team. The army had a team, and I remember thinking, "Oh, well, maybe that's the move." Like maybe to I join, should, yeah. Especially if they knew you were you were nice, because that's what they did. With I mean, that was the case with some um, guys that couldn't um, pursue an NBA career. Mm-hmm. You know, if they knew you were like extra talented in a certain field, they would they would put you in just to like you wouldn't have to do the normal stuff. You would just been. Traveling the world, just beating the shit out of people. Yeah, well, you remember Ray Mercer? Yeah. Ray Mercer started in the Army. He did? Yeah, that's that's when he won a gold medal. He, uh, I believe he was in the Army just before that, before which, he won the gold medal. Which heavyweight fighter joined the Army after he, um, was it Riddick Bowe? Riddick Bowe joined the Marines because he was trying to get some discipline. Man, that was the dumbest. Out of- he was struggling. Look, man. There's a reality about getting hit in the head. Right. And nobody wants to talk about it until it's too late most of the time. But, but to get hit start into making, a branch of service. You start making bad decisions. And for him, he, he decided that he needed discipline because Riddick we used, to, he used to blow up. And his, his, uh, he had a problem with discipline. He had a problem right. with like conditioning. You know, when he'd get in condition, when he'd be disciplined, he was, he was a motherfucker like those Holyfield right. fights. But then he would have fights where he just came in and he was just not in quite good enough shape. And he would fall apart because of that. And I think he had decided the way to get real discipline was to join the Marines. That's interesting to me because 
I'm pretty sure when he joined, he wasn't like probably pressed for cash. I don't think it was a press for cash thing, man. I think he wanted discipline. He just wanted to figure out how to. Maybe he felt like if they just whipped him into shape, he, he would he would get past that hump. Because when you're a guy who's a multimillionaire and you're a world champion and you're still lazy, yeah, you're like fuck, man. What what do I have to do? Let a white man yell at you for like two miles. Or a black man, you know, yeah. a lot of black drill and so that would have been too. that would have been so fucking fucked up. Riddick Bow is in your squadron or whatever, <laughs> and you yelling at him, and you know this one punch, this motherfucker just kill your ass, man. That's what I'm saying like it's, it's always got to be something separate. Like this guy can yell at me so much, but there's nothing he can do about it. And Riddick probably could have fucked up half the people that he was enlisted with. A hundred percent of the people, not yeah. even half. Did it change anything? No, he quit. He got out quick. They let him go. I mean, he was only in for a short period of time. Yeah. But like I said, I think I think a lot of that has to do with just trauma, brain trauma. You make right. terrible decisions. It's it's a big factor, man. It's a big factor. And if you listen to Riddick now, he has a real hard time talking. It's real rough to hear. It's so many of those um boxers when they get out of the ring. I think Sugar Ray Leonard, out of all the ones that's still out like publicly and doing things. He's probably one that I, I I can listen to, and you can understand. It seem like this his faculties are off too much. Not too much, but somewhat. He's yeah. definitely struggling. You could hear him. He's, there's a pause to the way he talks that is noticeable. Like he can keep it together, right. and he can string together good sentences. But I mean, you don't get over those wars that he had with yeah. Roberto Duran and Tommy Hearns and Marvin Hagler. Man, that and, what that was the welterweight division, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That division at that time was so fire. And then Sugar Ray, people fucking hated him so much because he was so pretty. Yeah. He was so nice looking. Yep. You know what I'm saying? You like this. I just want to <laughs> put a scar in this motherfucker's face. <laughs> That's how Duran he, felt about him. Yeah, he'll beat yeah. your ass and take your girl in the same <laughs> fucking fight, man. He was so good, too. He was so fun he to was watch. so good. Yeah. But then he's a, like another one who stuck around too long. Hector Camacho stopped him and Terry Norris stopped him. And later in his career, man, he was getting fucked up. It just was wrong. He should have been fighting you know? it seems like when i look at like boxing stuff like that and people can have like an unblemished record but it feels like i feel like they'll never quit until it's almost like you got to get knocked out the ring or somebody have to give you the reason to quit well andre ward did you know and i was just talking to him real recently because they offered him a rematch with Can or a, f a fight rather with Canelo Alvarez because Canelo right. just knocked out Sergey Kovalev like for the light ago. heavyweight title, right. and they said, "Look, this is a big super fight. You know, Andre Ward should come out of retirement. He's still in his prime. He's only thirty five years old. He's he's like, no, thank you, no, no. thank you. A hundred percent undefeated, Olympic gold medalist, two division world champion. He said, I'm good, I'm good. Why wow, for physical money, for no, he's, uh, he's like, I have money, I have a family. And this is his, his wise words. He said, I'm a better asset to boxing if I'm retired. I'm a better asset to boxing as an example of what's possible, that you can do all this and come out with 100% of your faculties intact. Right. You talk to that guy, he's 100% there. And right. he's making money as a commentator and an analyst. He's got a great career. He made money. He's good. He's like, I'm good. Yeah. And I don't want to lose my brain. And, and everybody is... Different ways to do the, the, the interesting thing to me, as vicious and notorious as Mike Tyson used to be and probably still is, it's just something that makes me feel good knowing that this motherfucker is funny. And I know this may sound crazy, but he's like a lovable Mike. Yes, very lovable. You know, like lovable. And high as a kite all day Always, long. Always. Well, that would, make, <laughs> that would make you lovable. Well, that's what he said. It makes him a better person. Like we talked about, he's like, yeah. He was like, I think it makes me a better person. <laughs> It does, man. Tyson, He's it, nice. I He's just, a nice guy to be around. Somebody just uh, posted, it, it came back, 
that that interview when he was promoting his uh, one man show, mm. and he was sitting down on the couch with this black guy, and the black guy was trying to oh, push him into a yeah, corner, and say some crazy that. shit. Yeah, <clears throat> man, I had so much fucking respect for Mike Tyson for doing that because people always use the excuse, "I'm the media." Yes. No, this is the question the people want to know. That's not the questions the people want to know. That's the questions you want to know. And that's the shit you want to say to provoke somebody exactly. to turn into a motherfucking and, beast. Well, and, he didn't even want to promote him. He wanted to make him make him feel bad. Yeah, make him feel bad. Yeah. And I'm and I'm pretty sure you don't go like your PR <clears throat> person, we're gonna go in here, we're trying to promote this, not right. do that. Somebody put him up to it. But when he just looked at him, shut him down, like you're a piece of shit. Yeah. And it was, he realized he's like six feet away from one of the baddest motherfuckers that's ever man, lived. I started shaking because <laughs> I was like, where is the tape? <laughs> Of what happened fucking after Afterwards. that shit, man. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, th th that is what it is. That guy was a piece of shit. Yeah, that know? was nasty. He tried to fuck with him on TV, corner him, and, you know, and, and have a gotcha moment. And then he tried to flip it and go back to it, and yeah. Mike was like, no, I'm already pissed. No, 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 no. Yeah. You are a piece of shit. Shout out to Mike yeah. Tyson for yeah. identifying the piece of shit and, and distinguishing, well, distinguishing that shit. Imagine being him and sitting across from that guy, and the guy's all friendly with you up until that moment. And then when the lights are on, the camera's going, and then he pulls that shit on you. A lot of people don't know what to do there. He knew what to do. He, he went real on him. I mean, he probably <clears throat> probably felt that it could come up, but like maybe even like, yo, you a brother, don't do it to me. You know? Yeah. What was but he? What was he promoting back then? That was promoting the one man show. Is it that was the one man show. Yeah. Undisputed. What was it? Undisputed. Undisputed. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a good show. I watched it on. I think it was HBO Showtime. Well, I watched the documentary. The documentary is incredible documentary is incredible yeah but it's just so good to know that like from having as much fame and fortune as he had and basically to start over and reinvent yourself and i mean i guess he's going to be this generation's how uh uh George Foreman was. Yeah, in know? a lot of ways, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, George Foreman reinvented himself while he was fucking people up though. Yeah. George Foreman came back a preacher I remember when he came back, he was 36 years old. He had a big belly. He was huge. He was like 300 pounds. And people thought it was a joke. They're like, this comeback's a joke. Right. Meanwhile, he kept losing weight, kept beating people up, kept losing weight. And then when he fucked up Jerry Cooney, everybody was like, hey, what wait a minute. What the fuck happened? Wait a minute. Right. He's legit. But he still looked like a fucking regular dude. Nah, not quite. I mean, he'd he never- was round. He had like a, a barrel chest, but he had these giant fucking arms. And that dude has- canned hams for fists right. he has some of the biggest fists like he's ever swing seen axes and shit. oh he does he yeah. did swing axes and all of his kids name are george <laughs> <laughs> even his daughter he called his daughter like georgina really? yeah okay, he did good he did really good who doesn't have a goddamn george foreman grill that's a great grill yep when you're like a single guy and you need to cook something quick college cooks military top and bottom chicken cutlets and you get grill marks yeah. women are impressed it don't matter if you fucking live in a 100 square foot dorm room if you got grill marks oh i see you're a fancy <laughs> motherfucker you got grill marks this motherfucker is gourmet gourmet grill marks well it's a good way to cook it's easy it's easy too and it's clean do you do elk uh george foreman grill that's like sacrilege really yeah, yeah i really good. was expecting just a slice of some elk. Dude, you got to come over. Come over and I'll cook some at my house. I want to do it. I would be happy to cook for you. I I'm a good I know you're a good cook too. No, don't. That's not what you know cuz you talked shit to me no, one no, time. No, 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 no. No, you I did. Was told no, you talked shit. You're a good cook. I didn't talk shit. No, yes you did, Joe. What did I say? I said I said uh I want a piece of elk. I think this is what I said. You said, 
Well, you know, for a new guy, this is the best way to do it for your first time. And if you're new to cooking, you said some shit like that. Well, if and you're I, new to cooking wild game, it's different. It's There's no fat in it. It dries out really quick. You got to cook it low and slow. You can't cook it like you cook a beef steak. I can cook it the way I want to cook it. I'm sure you could. Yeah. I know you can cook now. I mean, the way you do it. You got very offended, though. I did when I was get saying that you haven't cooked elk before. I wasn't saying you never cooked before. I don't I have no knowledge of whether or not you're, All right, you so know how to cook. Give me a piece of elk. I got a, a hundred pieces back there. You give tell me, me give I me, got everything for you. All right, give me a piece of elk, and I'm going to do my elk magic to it, and I'm going to okay. let you know. Okay. That's without you telling me how you got to cook it slow. Okay. And if I want to do that, I could use, I could do it the, uh, what is that thing, the ceviche? What is that? Um. Oh, the, yeah, 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 sous vide. The sous yeah. vide, that yeah. fly shit. Oh, that's a, that's a great way to cook. See, now yeah. I'm on a different level, right? Yeah. Oh, I do that. I do yeah. sous vide. I love it. That's, it, it feels like you're doing some type of science project. I know, right? You know, you got to have the temperature right, make sure the <laughs> app is right. And then you see this big-ass bucket of water, and then you keep putting your finger in it like, it don't feel like it's hot enough no. to cook this shit. And the weird thing is you're cooking in a plastic bag. That feels fucked up, too. Yeah, it almost feels like you're like a dope dealer doing that shit, man. A little bit. You got to have a food processor. Not a food processor, but you have a, a vacuum sealer, a, a, vac, a, a yeah. food saver, yeah. and you got to have a, a thermometer, and you got to do it take time. But it's kind of fun. You oh, know? it's great. You know, you can cook a steak for like five hours at 130 degrees. Right. God damn, that thing will just melt in your it's mouth. It's good for eggs, too. It's good for everything. Yeah. Sous vide is great. I love it. But you got to be in that sous vide mode because after a while, you're like, man, fuck this, man. I don't do you get... blowtorch the outside? How do you finish it? What I when you take it, like a seat, do you braise it in a, like a on a, on a, a skillet? Hot, yeah, yeah. Because you, you still got to get that crisp, but the te- yeah. the texture of it and everything's good. And I would think that would be something really, really good for like for wild game. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. So yeah. we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people use it. I, have you ever cooked any wild game before? No, no. Wild pig is great that way too, sous vide and or or barbecue. So what's the big difference? What's the noticeable difference? The taste of it or the texture of it? Everything. The taste, the texture. It's a firmer meat. It's the texture is. uh, It's like an athlete. I mean, you're eating like a a, a fucking thing that can run up hills. It's just so different than a cow. Cows are just sitting around eating. They don't right. use those muscles very much, and so that's why it's all mushy so and it's tender. Tough. And okay, it's more it's more tough, but it's not too tough. Especially like uh, I'll give you good cuts, like uh, like a tri tip is nice, you know, or um, backstrap's the best. So it'd be good for, for roasting too. That's what I oh, think yeah. I'm gonna do. Oh yeah, yeah, I got some roast back there. Yeah, yeah. I roasted it like 250 degrees, and then I sear it on the outside after it's done. See, you gotta keep telling me your process, bro. You could do whatever I you wanna want. I want to do I'm my just process. Telling you what I do. All right, I might take it's little not a competition. <laughs> It's always gone. It's always gone. That's the most competitive people always say. <laughs> the most competitive people That's always true. say, yo, yo. That's so bah, 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 bah. Dude, I'm not in the competition That's with so you. That's true. But I've been training for eight months to not be in a competition yeah. with you. That's true. Everything is competition. Mm. Healthy competition, then you got yes. fucked up competition. That's right. There's two guns. Yeah. Yeah. But uh I'm I love you know who was a really good cook? Ralphie May. That really? motherfucker could cook. Yeah. But he went through a stomach stapling operation, and he couldn't eat meat for a while. I think he just blew through the staples after a while. He just gave up. But uh, he Yo, did. that's he so had, fucked up. He did. He did a couple times. A couple blew times he staples? blew through the staples. Yeah, they had to redo it. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, Ralphie liked to eat. I wonder what sandwich he was eating to make you. <laughs> that had to be a, uh, that, that's a subway footlong. <laughs> I know. After you get past the eight inches, you blew, you blew past the staple right. at 12 inches. Like whenever a famous person dies from coke, you know, they're like, oh, this is the coke that killed that dude. You know, like, who's that dude who played for the and Celtics? The prices go. Who's oh. the dude who played for the Celtics who died? Of a heart attack, Lenny Bias. Yes, yes, I remember everybody. Like, this is man. the shit that killed Len Bias. 
Like and people they, wanted to sell it to you. They was calling shit the, the, the bias. Yes, yes, yes. That was such a tragic uh, story because I'm from the D.C. area. You know, he was like a, a, a local guy. And then especially like when somebody, especially in the black community, if you got generations generations of, of projects and welfare and everything, if one person busts through, it's like a whole bunch of motherfuckers. And it's unfortunate sometimes because that's kind of the downfall for a lot of people's finances. But you feel like I got the whole family and everybody gets excited. And for him not even to ever play a game, yeah. it was it's that's just awful, man. Well, there's so many people dropping dead now from fentanyl. You know, so many like Prince. That's a white person drug. No, it's not. Prince died of it. Oh, so that's one of those doctors prescribed. Yeah, drugs. well, it, so it's it a is, white person drug. It's it's pain medication. Right. It's, like Prince had hip issues from all the dancing, but uh, you know Tom Petty died from it. A lot of people. I think David Bowie died from it. Didn't he die from it too? Did David Bowie die from fentanyl? It kills a shitload of people. A right. shit. And they, they, a lot of times they get it in something else and they don't know. They get it in Molly. Or they get it in in Coke. Like Artie Lang was telling me that he accidentally had it in Coke and he didn't even know it until he took Suboxone and he was sick for like a week. Right. Yeah. It's, um, I, I don't really know too much They're about those. He had cancer? Yeah. Oh, why did I think he had uh He definitely didn't die from a drug? says he died peacefully after an 18-month battle with cancer. Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe I'm confusing him with somebody else. Must be. George Michael, maybe? Maybe that's it. But that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. yeah, I don't know too much about fentanyls and oxycotton's and all that type of shit. Yeah, that's like soccer mom drugs. <sighs> well, those are painkillers. It's like a lot of times it's the people start off they get a back injury. You know, you get hurt on the job and you or get go lifting weights or something like that. You pull your back out and you're like, ah, the doctor hooks you up with some oxycotton and you can't get off that shit. I did the only time I did I did it um I had surgery on my knee. I tore my patella trying to dunk on an eight foot basketball rim. Trying mm. to impress some kids. And, you know, I was like, oh, man, I'm not taking no painkillers. Fuck that. I'll just have a, a wooden spoon in my mouth. I'm a man up. Man, I laid down that first fucking night, and that fucking blood started hitting that wound. I was screaming for that Oxycontin. I took that shit. I was blanked. I was, I could finally realize the lyrics in most of these trap songs when I was high <laughs> off that shit. Son. So I'm like, this is what designer was saying all this time. <laughs> I got room in the Fanda, Panda, Panda. I, I really, I was like, this shit is crazy. I can't see how people, I mean, I can't see because I've never been addicted to anything like that, but it's just weird to, to, to see people that want to be in that state of mind all the yeah, time. Yeah, I think it's a lot, of, a lot of the people were sexually abused or physically abused, and they just, there's a thing about heroin, they say. I've never tried it, but I've done morphine when I was, uh, when I had knee surgery. They gave me a drip while I was in the hospital, a little button you press anytime you want, you get, you hit it, and I was like, ah. <laughs> so it was instant as soon as you felt yeah, the Yeah, you just hit it, bang. It yeah. give you a little drip of morphine anytime you want it. Bang, 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 bang. You could hit it. But I think for a lot of people that get addicted to it, at least as it's been explained to me, there a lot of them are suffering from physical abuse, sexual abuse, and there's a thing about morphine or heroin that gives you like a womb feeling, like you're protected, you're safe, everything's okay. Oh, yeah. It's like a hug. That's like what they say. Well, they say heroin is supposed to make you feel like that. Yeah, like a hug, like the world's hugging you. I, did a, um, I played a, a heroin addict on HBO's The Corner years ago. Oh, yeah? And um, I was trying to figure out, like, what? how do I get my mind set to be high right right and i was like what could they because you see those heroin addicts yeah they'd like they lean and they nod and they come back up yeah. i'm like what could they possibly be thinking about 
to take them into this world. And I and, and the way I relate to it, I was like, they're probably thinking about it takes them to a place when they were feeling younger. It it just takes them away from the real real world and just feel like like zombie state just floating. Mm, you know? Yeah, just floating like that umbilical cord fluid. Embryonic fluid just in the womb, just with no, oh. with no, with no thought. But that's a tragic. It is tragic. tragic. Well, sometimes people just feel so overwhelmed by life, you know, so overwhelmed by pressure and stress and bills and relationships and jobs and this and that and just <gasps> they just need an escape. Everybody need, need escape. Everybody has problems. You people, the biggest thing now people talking about, like the biggest thing in the news everywhere is mental illness. Yeah, mental health is real. It's real. It's been there forever, but people just cope with it different. You sure. know, like I know in my community, and they say black people especially, like, don't address mental issues. You know what I'm saying? It's like a black person, they have a problem. They go, well, I just need I need a shot of ass. You know what I mean? I need a, I need some Hennessy. I need to smoke a joint. I need to do a line or something, right. you know? Right. But everybody has mental issues, but how do we cope with it? Yeah, pe people have different coping mechanisms. There's no way you're going to get through this life without some mental struggle. There's no way. No way. It's not possible because if you just sit around and do nothing, you'd be filled with angst. It can't do that just yeah. because of the world. It's just right. so much shit yeah. going on. There's too much shit going on. Everybody's got struggles. There's no way around it. No way around it. Yeah. And the person that don't have struggle, them motherfuckers are probably that close to being suicidal. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? People I, that hide it are the ones that go first. I think a strong community is important. You know, like having a lot of people around you that you love. You know, um, family, friends, like that's that's yeah. important too. People that you could talk to, like where you feel loved. I think one of the real problems with people that that just just it doesn't feel fixable is when they feel alone. They feel but alienated. Like, is them, like them by themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't feel like they're they're in a like a group. They don't feel like they're in a community. They don't. They just feel like nobody gives a fuck about them whether they live or die. And that's one of the saddest feelings I think you could have. How could you make somebody feel like that? That's just awful to make somebody. But then those. Same people probably have uh, don't have that one person that mm -hmm. they can confide in. That one yeah. person that's not going to bullshit them. The one person that doesn't want anything. Right. But and one person listen. Yeah. If you don't have anyone in your life, you don't have anybody that's telling you the truth or lying. You know. And there's, and there's a lot of people out there that are real lonely that only c exist on the internet. You know. Oh, the internet is the the internet is the most fabricated lonely place in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's so it's it's interesting because it's like like. Especially what we do is like you feel like you need it, but then after a while, this shit is just so fucking overwhelming. Yeah, and it's so easy for a person to carve out the perfect life. People to tell you like, "Oh my God, I thought you was having so much fun on vacation, this mm -hmm. and that." You know how fucking many takes it takes to get that perfect picture <laughs> to show everybody that your life is the fucking bomb. Yeah, it's just a not. It's not an accurate representative of anybody's life. And it's know? everywhere. And that's where everybody wants to show their lives. I yep. said, you, you tell average chick, right? I won't say on the street, but just an average woman. If you tell them that um, I want to take you on a vacation anywhere in the world you want to go, but you can't bring a phone. <sighs> you know what half of the motherfuckers would say? Uh, let me think about that. <laughs> because nobody wants to have a memory and share memory just from the memory they have. Right. It's like they wanted to get validated. They want people to get the thumbs up and everything. Mm -hmm. And nobody, you even you, with the show, your shows, whatever, it's so weird. Like when I first started doing those shows where they lock your phones up, mm -hmm. I was like the first comic going on stage. And the first comic going on stage in front of a room with everybody's phones locked up, they getting the heat. 
Because <laughs> people are like, what the fuck, man? I've, been, I've seen people trying to bite them shits open. I've seen people cut them motherfuckers open. I've seen motherfucker answer, answer, try to answer the through phone. Through the paper? Through, or the, through paper. the paper. And it feels weird at the beginning, but then after a while, it gets to a point where it's, it feels kind of cool. It's like you yeah. feel like you're in the moment. You're Who, connected. You're connected. Who fuck yeah. wants to watch the show? How can you enjoy a show like this? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people doing that, too. You know, I realized it when I went to Comedy Works in Denver. They were the first place I ever went to that locked up phones. Yeah. Now the improv does it. They do it every show. Yeah. It's the way to do it, man. You know, I, I wish people would just put their phones away, but they don't want to. They want you know? to. Everything Everything has to be recorded, mm -hmm. and everything. I, you got to always show people what you're doing every second. Well, they want to see a picture. Look, I got a picture. It's Donnell. Look, he's on stage right now. I want to see somebody with an Instagram that looks at your fucked up life. <laughs> see, him, see how many likes you get for your life being yeah. fucked up. Holes and you show up to you. Everything. <laughs> All right type of, of shit, bologna Fuck. and cheese sandwiches for dinner and shit. The my real shit. shit on the carpet again. Fuck. Yep. <laughs> Not the fucking, oh my God, yeah. best life, yacht life, living my best life. Yeah, but it's it's that thrill of, you know, showing everybody that you're killing it, you know? Yeah. Like, that's why a lot of people try to do well. They try to do well to show people they're doing well. Oh, yeah. Everything is for the gram. It's if very you know weird, man. It's but very then it's weird. like you, and but then on the other side of it, you want people to see you doing good things because yes. people want people want to follow your momentum yes. and people want to ride with your journey. You know what I mean? See? That's and it's not too many of us like you you probably it's not too many people that like like can live a social media free life yeah. and still make money doing anything it's in entertainment. Real hard. Dave does it. Yeah. He's one of the only people that I know that does it. But he's so intelligent about that kind of shit. He doesn't engage in that. He doesn't engage in other people's opinions of him. He's like He, he used my phone. Does he? Yeah. <laughs> He's not on. <laughs> he don't use his phone. He ain't going to dirty his phone up. That's hilarious. Anything social media, whatever, he wanted to see through my phone and shit. He checks it out through you. That's oh my hilarious. God. And the motherfucker's addicted to World Star. Is he? That's yeah. hilarious. Yo, we be on the road, man. We be on the road. And all you see is this motherfucker. Uh, and it's always some shit. Somebody getting ran over by a car or some shit. It's like, oh, God. World Star, <laughs> he's on World Star hard as shit. Oh, that's hilarious! But anything that's dealing with pop culture and stuff like that, I, I'm usually like, the, the, like the, the guy just brings him into it. But does he just keep no phone, no apps on his phone? I don't think I, I don't think he has a app. Good for him, man. Yeah, good for him. It's a good. I lost a phone the other day, man. And I was saying to myself, I was freaking out because you know if you lose a fucking phone, the minute you do the pocket check, mm -hmm. you do like all four pockets, and the first thing you say is fuck. Right. And if you, the worst thing is a person that's going when you're going out with a group of people, and a person loses a phone, just ruined the whole fucking night. Yeah, because then you got to go fucking search for it. All turn right, be around, quiet. Go back. Be quiet. Call my phone. Right. Call my phone. <laughs> Could y'all be quiet? Could y'all call my phone? Could y'all call? And I told myself I was like fuck, because I'm I got the um iCloud and shit now, so it's not as fucking right. tragic as it used to be. Like, if you right. lose your phone, you're losing Everything. pictures of your kid being right. born and all this right. stuff. And I lost the phone, and I was like, fuck, I just lost one like four months ago. I lost the fucking phone. I was like, you know what, Daniel? You can't let your phone fucking regulate your life like that. You're a person beyond that phone. I went to sleep, right? And I, the sleep, was it was so peaceful. And I woke up, and the first thing I wanted to know was what time it was, Right. And I didn't even think to look at a watch or anything. I was like, where the fuck is my phone? And I went right back and got a phone. I did 10 hours out of phone. I was about to go crazy. <laughs> I was like, how do people fucking do this? How do you find out 
directions. Ari Shafir went without a phone for four months. For it was a reality show. No, he just yeah, it was his own reality show. He just decided to go to Asia. He traveled all around Asia. Went to like, he went to Vietnam. Yeah, but he was already loaded. Yeah, he had money. Yeah, yeah. You don't just you just don't (laughs) you just don't have like a minimum wage job and just leave your phone for four months. No, you kind of can't now. But what's crazy is this is a real recent thing. Our smartphones are only since 2000 and what, Jamie, 7? 2007 was the iPhone? Yeah. I think so, right? Because X, iPhone X is 10 years. That was two years ago. So 2007 was the iPhone. Before <laughs> that, it's like flip phones and not everybody had them. You know, and, and then 10 years before that, nobody had them. 1997, nobody way, had them. It was a way for everybody. Because we look at it as a phone, but nobody usually uses it for the phone feature. No. Unless you're old. Like, only people who leave voice messages are people over 45. Joey Diaz calls you. That's one thing. He's over 45. He likes to call, but he likes to talk. He goes, I'm insecure. He goes, I want to know what the fuck your voice sounds like. <laughs> he goes, I want to call you. Wanna hear you. I want to hear your heart. Yo, it I want to know what the fuck's going on. He, he, he knows somebody might hack your shit, but Joey Diaz is probably the only person that leaves voice messages when they talk on the phone. He doesn't. I don't think he leaves voicemail. He'll leave me a text message. Call me back, cocksucker. Oh, yeah. That's what it says. Everybody, call him back. The other night we were at the store. It's so funny. Like you know how you you get in your little zone. You enter the comedy store. Like who's next, right? Right. It was so funny because Joy was. I was up next, and Joy was like, uh, they was like, who's next? They was like Donnell and Joy was like, oh shit, this motherfucker's funny as shit. He's gonna. He's got a, uh, a a special coming out on Netflix, Degenerates. He's a funny motherfucker. I love him. He's a good fucking friend of mine. Give it up for Rondell Darlings, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's and just I, Joey yo, Diaz. Yo, yo, I was like, yeah. that was the most clever way to call me the N-word I've ever heard, man. <laughs> I like and then and it was so funny. And I know he didn't do it on purpose. It just happens. Joey Diaz fucks everybody's name up. He fucking, everybody. It's half of his charm. And then he didn't the next day he DM and he said, Yo, D, I'm sorry, no disrespect about that. I was like, man, this shit was funny. He gave me a funny joke. And I've been fucking <laughs> Anquan Fanwar. What's the dude name? Who? Fanwar Anwar Anwar? Fahim, Fahim and, Yeah, that's what I'm talking. I told Joey. I said I've been fucking his name up for a year and a half. So we're even, bro. I can't say Fahim Namwar or whatever. He called nothing. UFC lightweight champion Khabib Nurmagomedov. He calls him Kalabib. That sounds close. Him Kalabib. That's close, but he reversed all my shit. He fucks Rondell, everybody's name. Rondell Darling. What other names does he fuck up? He fucks everybody's name Steve up. Bokit, Steve Bokit. Steve yeah, Steelpick. <laughs> He calls Stipe Miocic Steopic. Red, you gotta li- love it. And then this is after he just fucking dismantled the room and shit. Always. Now, like, I mean, how the fuck am I gonna get into my next joke? Thank you. I can just segue that right into my shit. Uh, Joey's a, he's a national treasure. There's Man, nobody he's like, like that guy. There's nobody like him. There'll never be anybody like him again. No. You got certain people that, that, that you know, and I'm not wishing bad anything on Joe, but that just live forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? You'll yeah. hear stories oh, yeah. for them forever. And then you'll have stories, especially this is what I respect. You know, as long as you have people that have been doing comedy for years and years, right? But a lot of them don't stay sharp. Right. You know what I'm saying? They don't do spots. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The only time they come out is like, okay, I'll talk to my accountant. It's time to go out and make a couple mm. million and yeah. get it. But they're not out there. And that's one of the things that I really respect about him is that you see somebody that's been ripping, not like a year their whole career, and still you could feel the passion. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You could feel, you know, you know comics are going, and I call them money comics. Yeah. As soon as they go in, they're looking at their watch, okay, I get the light at 40, give me a quicker light, let me get my money and get out of here. Yeah. Then you can tell people they're really still 
enjoy the engagement of the audience, the response they get, and they they enjoy getting better. Yes. They enjoy ripping the stage up for the next person to have to rip the stage up. They really enjoy the 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 the, the skill set and what it takes to be a great stand-up. And that Joey is one of the people that I, I, you know how some people you can just watch them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even if you know something you heard is going to come on, you just you it's going to be something, some nuance that they do to make it different from the last time. Well, what Joey does too is he gets in the pit. He gets in there with, you know, 15 comics on a, you know, Tuesday night. That's that's big, man. Those spots are big when it's you doing 15 and another dude 15 and there's so many, and no one's there to see you. They're there to see the whole show. Right. And you're you're there working with guys like you, guys like Chris D'Elia, guys like whoever that's just jammed but up that's with what talented gets, comics. But that's what makes that's what makes motherfuckers funny. Yes. Yes. Motherfuckers, you you see uh you see a group of whack comics like Birds of a feather flock together. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? You only learn it. If you're around a whack comic all the time, you never test it. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You know those, do you ever see those nights when people, everybody is bombing? Yes. Everybody's bombing. It's so bad that motherfuckers have, have a bomb material ready. <laughs> they just need to get into the bomb. Yeah. You know, they just need one, all they need is one like, ah, oh, they be like, oh, here's my bomb. Then my, my bomb jokes. But they don't, motherfuckers don't go hard. Right. They don't go hard anymore, man. But well, in some the spots like don't. that, in the spots, the comedy store, motherfuckers go hard. Some people don't. Yeah. Some people also, they get to a certain point where they have an, an audience and then they just work for that audience. Yeah. And they know that people are going to come see them because the people like them. And so they don't, they don't, they don't do any themselves. workout sets. They only do sets when they're on the road. That's why I do when I go, whenever I go, like I came up through the Chitlin circuit. Whenever I'm in Brooklyn and I slide through Philly, you know, on the black comedy circuit, everybody has these rooms. You know what I'm saying? And as much as we uh, get big where people say they don't do it anymore, I like to do them because it just really knows, I really know the climate and I know what I'm working with. Yeah. You know, I, I love doing the rooms. Those, room, those rooms, like the rooms like that, they challenge you because it's taking you out, like you say, your comfort zone. Yeah. You know, I've been uh, blessed enough lately to... When I go do my comedy shows and people buy a ticket for me, it's usually some good people. But every once once in a while, I want to go in the trench. I want to go in the hoodest spot ever and see if I still got it. Yeah, you know that expression, don't forget what got you to the dance? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It's like what made you a great comic in the first place is is being tested like that. Defining moments. Motherfuckers do not want to deal with a defining moment. Motherfuckers don't want to deal with that moment where you did 45 minutes you gassed out, and you get that stretch sign. They say, stretch, we don't have to checks up, whatever. We need you to do another 15 minutes. <sighs> that tests your skill. A defining moment when you're working at, what is that dome we did? Tacoma Dome. Tacoma Dome. And motherfucker Joe Rogan just comes and just bazooka torches the whole motherfucking <laughs> arena and shit. I never said, I don't know if I've ever shared that story, but that fucking day was so dope for me when we did that. Because that fucking place was fire and i know that was your crowd your energy like like joe 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 and just to be in that room i remember when you was on stage and i was kind of getting my head together i was like yeah i'm gonna get my shit ready and you got a laugh right it was like a and i was like oh shit i'm about to go on i thought it was like you saying good night and it was a segue into another joke <laughs> 
I immediately smoked a cigarette. <laughs> a whole cigarette in one. I was like, oh, you better do some push-ups, motherfucker. This shit ain't going to be easy, sir. But that was a fucking, that was a, that was a great moment, man. It was a great moment. It was a good time. It was a lot of fun, man. It was a lecture. I'd never been. It felt like I was at, a, um, at fucking one of them UC, UFC fights and shit, man. It was so many people. There's 25,000 people in that place. And Dave was about to go on stage and he looked at me and he goes, not a whole lot of motherfuckers get to do shit like this. Not at all, bro. <laughs> just the way that whole night went. And I, we, we were right behind him. Like the, the, the night was just like, it's something when you say, okay, it just, it's a level. Then it's another level. Then it's another level. Then it's another level. And then when he came out, man, it felt like when we walked, it felt like we was walking um, Tyson yeah. into the ring. Yeah. That yeah. song, if you know, you know that um, Pusha T song. And it was just like, that night was like, I mean, pandemonium, yeah, bro. It was amazing. <clears throat> and those nights, the funny thing about it, people see that <clears throat> and they see you in, in front of 24,000, 25,000 people. But what people don't understand is those those all those nights stacked up of doing 15 minutes here working on shit because people see you do these arenas these amphitheaters they don't know that you in the trenches always you know what i'm saying always Never stopped i'm like damn don't this nigga got enough money right now? <laughs> i was like wait a minute I hate bombing. it's not about the money and it's all about it's just mm -hmm. something very addictive about constantly training to be prepared for anything and to be better my lady sometimes like you going out? You you going out tonight? I don't know if women understand. They call it going out. You know, right, I don't right. call it. I'm, I'm like no, working. I'm I'm, I'm going to work out. And even if I'm if I if it's a set I'm working on, and I do the same thing, it's just something that's just such a rush about going on stage. Even if you find something small, a small tag, because mm -hmm. the joke never ends. You just never. stop telling it. Yep. Yep. It never ends. It stopped telling. Some people are like, yo, where'd you get that from? Because, you know, the, the comedy, comedian's mindset, people are like, write that down, write that down. We don't always write it down. Just thinking about how dope we would be if we wrote everything down. But it goes to a hard drive. It goes to a hard drive. And you might have thought of something funny like this year, then next year. You might have never talked about it. Then next year, something will happen, and then it'll come up from that hard drive, mm -hmm. and boom, you got a banging-ass fucking bit. Yeah, you never know. And you, if you don't go on stage, you won't. That won't blossom. You got to water Never. those seeds. I was in um, I was in fucking um, uh, Pleasanton, Pleasanton, California, over the weekend at the uh, Tommy T's. And this is a young young guy. He's a fan of yours. He wants to do comedy, and I know his mom. About four years, I put him on stage, and he didn't really do well the first time he went on stage, right? And then I appreciate that. And then like he tells me he wants to do comedy, right? Tell me you want to do comedy. I was like, okay. Do a guest spot. Wow. He said, "Upper the upper the upper." I call it the upper the upper. That's how you test a motherfucker. They be like, "Yeah, I want to do this," and I've been writing, I've been working on my material and everything. Okay, go on. Upper the upper. No, I gotta wait because I gotta. No, motherfucker, you don't gotta wait. And I told him I like to get a lot. I said, "I'm a comedian, comedian. Don't talk to me about comedy no fucking more." Right. Because that's the opportunity. Go do it. Go do it right now. Yeah. And then he still was uppity uppity. And I told him, I was like, maybe this is not for you. He said, well, you know what? Maybe I needed this talk. I was like, you don't need to talk for me, motherfucker. You need to talk with yourself. Either you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. Who? He'd never been on stage before ever? No, he'd been on before. And he plays oh. around with it every once in a while. Oh. But it was a it was a filled room. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it just, you know, I just don't know how things, something could be that intimidating. I don't know how you could want to be a comic you want to be a comic, 
but you don't want to do the most important thing a comic has to do and go on stage. It's scary for people, especially if it's a packed crowd. They know they're there to see you, so they're there to see the pro, and they know their material's kind of whack. They know it sucks. Yeah, but you still... You should try it. <coughs> I mean, how much time was he going to do? Five minutes? <coughs> Five. Yeah, that's nothing. Just go up there and do it. <coughs> oh, God. Hold on. <laughs> you take... You take. <coughs> <coughs> That's a Kevin Smith weed. Oh, that's my dog. That's the um from the movie Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, that's his Jay and Silent Bob weed with the um with the uh with the cartoon on the inside of it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I had that. I went to the premiere. I was in that film. I went to the fucking premiere. I know. Exactly. I love that dude. Yeah, he's so dope. Man. He's a great guy. He is the best man. He's the. Be- <coughs> I worked with him on something a couple years ago, and he said he was a fan of mine, and he keeps fucking. Calling me for projects, but he's so fucking cool. When we were doing, because people have been um, when we we did the show called Hollyweed, right? We played uh, we were we owned a dispensary in Hollywood. It was a funny ass um pilot, and it was part of this uh, Rivet TV. They had this process where a lot of you know you people do pilots that never get greenlit. They mm-hmm. play the pilot, and then you you pledge if you want to get the pilot to green light. Okay, the company fell apart. The fucking um, the show did well. We got Snoop Dogg retweeted it. People were enjoying it, and um, and it just it just stopped. We just stopped it. But he was so fucking cool. And we did Hollywood. When he sat down and talked to me, he said, "Donnell, I'm at a point in my life, I'm at a stage in my life where I'm not going to do anything unless it's fun and it's what I want to do." Yeah. And that joint was supposed to be. We didn't get it popping, but it was it was a good time, man. And he and he threw me up in um Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Shout Did you know him pre weed? I knew of him pre weed. I met him pre weed. Uh-huh. And then uh, the second or third time we hung out, he started smoking weed. Really? And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> what? But was that after he had the heart attack? Or no, 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 no. Way before. Yeah. He just went hard with weed, like. Out of nowhere. He was like, no weed, and then all weed. Yeah, and, but uh, creative people can get all weed. And I know his strand is like a hybrid sativa mm-hmm. strand. Yeah, but it was just interesting to know him before when and he then, wasn't smoking. And then, I mean, he's just, he's all day high. I'm good. Just put it in there. He's all day high. Yeah. <clears throat> he's one of those dudes. He's one and, of those, like, Wiz Khalifa type dudes. Those, uh... And, it didn't just just start pounding out writing shit. Yeah, I used yeah. to go to his fucking crib when we were when we were working on Hollywood. We got up to three other uh, scripts, and I would just go up there and just chill. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm chilling with Kevin Smith, smoking mm. the joint, and we're just talking. And the motherfucking and the goddamn keyboard is just going crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a genuine person, very very good person. Yep, and then shit, man, he set off. He did things nobody ever. Did. I mean, just to. To create a brand that could last for fucking 20, 25 years. As an years. independent filmmaker, yeah. Independent filmmaker. Like, did you ever see that movie Red State that he did? I didn't do it. So, did you ever see it? It was one of his best movies. It was weird, man. It was so strange because uh, he didn't tell me anything about it. He's like, I just want you to see it. So uh, we sat down, we watched it, and it was a horror movie. It's like it's a horror <laughs> suspense thriller movie. It's not funny at all. It doesn't try to be funny at all. But did he tell you that it? Did he, he didn't tell me shit. Uh, he did, literally didn't tell me anything. But I'm assuming it's a Kevin Smith movie. I'm assuming it's going to be fun. 
You know, but you know what they got. I mean, people like that. You know, somewhere deep, deep down inside, they like I want to do something fucking different from right, what right, people right. know me from. Yeah, you know. <clears throat> yeah, 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 for sure. But once you get into something, you get into a groove, groove, and get in a brand, and you're known for something, you make money off it. Why would you? You know, a lot of times, why would you roll the dice? I think he's just a creative guy. He just likes doing a thing. Like he had a thought in his head to do this kind of movie. You know who else did that? Bobcat Goldthwait. He made a Bigfoot movie, man, like a scary ass Blair really? Witch Bigfoot movie. Yeah. Do you know Bob? You know the history with him? The history with him, Bobcat. What, in what way? With the Chappelle Show? No, I don't. He was the first director oh, yeah. of the first season of the Chappelle Show. When I did New York Boobs, I ran into him. A, yeah, I ran into him and Dave. And then when you, it's so weird because you know him as yeah. crazy dude, right? And just to see his demeanor away from that, you just waiting for him to have an outburst. But Bobcat <laughs> was the first season director of Chappelle Show. He's a very thoughtful guy. I and, like him a lot. And the funny thing with him, with me, he well, he he liked me, but he said my name wrong every time he said something about me. He said, "Where's Darrell? Where's Dante? Yo, where where's Daniel?" What's doodle? Oh, I was like, if, uh, after the fourth one, I was like, this got to be racist. Son. <laughs> he just named everything with a D. That was my name. But he was the um, he was the first director of it, of Chappelle Show before Run, um, Rusty Condiff, um, took over. What is that movie he made, Jamie? What is it called again? Willow Creek? Is it Willow Creek? Yeah, I think it's Willow Creek. It's fucking good, man. I gotta check it out. He's obsessed with Bigfoot. Bobcat believes in Bigfoot. Like, really? All in, I think. Or it's like a long running joke. It's like a documentary joke. type deal? He's so smart it might be a scam. I think, he's, I think he's telling the truth, though. I think he really is obsessed with Bigfoot. I knew he was a good actor when I knew he was a good actor when I talked to him and him not being a character from um, Police Academy. Because <laughs> that, you know, not too many characters you ever see that when you see their face, you want to hear a certain voice. Right. Anything else... It's disappointing. Uh, yeah. He had a hard time with that when he started doing stand-up. Really? Yeah, because he started doing stand-up again. You know, he had done it, that Bobcat character forever, and then he started directing stuff. And remember me, he lit uh, Jay Leno's couch on fire. Oh, what? In one of the episodes of a show? He was, he was on Tonight Show. He lit the fucking couch on fire. Yo, just he used for to whatever fucking, reason. Man, he used to do interviews and just blaze it. Yeah, he was crazy. I've never seen anybody. The only person, um, Robin Williams used to do interviews like that. Right. Yeah, Bobcat, so he was a wild man. But he's a thoughtful person. Like, when you, you actually talk to him, like, he looks, I mean, he's got sort of an explanation that makes sense. <laughs> he just wanted to be a little wild. And he and didn't he did. realize what a big deal it was going to be. Because he know? murdered it. Yeah. Yeah, he murdered that. But he's... um. He does a lot of different shit. And when he was doing stand up again, he wanted to just be himself. And there was a time where they were they wanted him. That was ah, yeah. They wanted that Bobcat character. That's a tough thing to pull away from, especially if it's like, you know, if it's how you paying your bills. You know what I mean? Oh, like for sure. You it's like we who are we gonna get the crazy dude? That's got to be a tough. A lot of people can't um, pull himself out of. A lot of people can't reinvent themselves like that. Right. Like if you're Gallagher, like everybody expects fruit. If you say, I'm just going to talk now, people yeah. are like, come on, bro. But we wanted to talk in the fruit. Yo, right? when people like that have weird, weird, <laughs> crazy fetishes and shit, bro. It's like, did he 
fucks with watermelons and then he likes looking at naked goats and shit. <laughs> something, something, something crazy oh, if you're that wild. But Gallagher, you're going to see Gallagher. Anytime you see Gallagher, you're going to think watermelon for the rest of your life. Yeah, you're going to think sledgehammer. You're going to think everybody's covered in plastic. Remember? I remember that when we, <laughs> that, that we're not, I, I hate to keep it, but you just said it when, when I was with Chappelle show and I used to pitch ideas and, um, they used to just throw my ideas like, pop, get that shit out of here. <laughs> Neil used to, I used to pitch ideas. Yeah, and then the guy going to come down, then the dude going to come, and then somebody going to have a hat on, right? They're going to come, and they're going to shoot him. And then he used to be like this, pop. He used to smack that shit out of here. He was like, do that shit 10 years ago, son. Like, my shit was so dated. And I couldn't think of anything. One day, I was watching Comedy Central, and Gallagher was on. And for some reason, Gallagher looked like Dave Chappelle to me. And I was thinking, because Dave like skateboards and shit, I was seeing the skates, and I just said, and I, of course I was smoking a joint, I said, what if Gallagher was black? I was like, what if Gallagher was black? I just said, what if Gallagher was black? That was my pitch line. I, oh said, what, look, I said, what if Gallagher was black, right? And then I called Neil Brennan, and I said, I got an idea. He said, what, son? I said, black Gallagher. And Bam. Wow. I forgot about this character. Yep. Black Gallagher. Dude, you were on, without a doubt, the greatest sketch show in the history of the world. I mean, it lasted only a little while, but those are the, the classic sketches. There's some great sketches. It doesn't put anybody's down. I mean, obviously, Saturday Night Live has been around forever. They had a lot of great sketches, but it's hard to beat the black KKK dude. It's hard yeah. to beat that sketch. It's like... It's hard to beat that. I don't even like, know what as thought, an all-time sketch. I don't even know what thought process you got to have to even. Yeah, that was when that sketch is going on. You're, you're watching it going, yo, I, it, whoa! <laughs> it felt like when that sketch <laughs> dropped, bro. When that sketch <laughs> dropped, when that sketch, <sighs> when that, when that sketch dropped, I was like, oh shit! <laughs> it was just like, what are we talking about? It's like one of the funniest things that's ever been captured on film. When Neil's head explodes. <laughs> Yo. What you a great idea, too. It's just such a great idea. A blind was, black KKK member. <laughs> and he just running around thinking he's fucking white as shit. Oh. And that shit still stays in fucking pop culture. It's just one of those things. It's going to be a Clayton Bixby forever. Forever. There's a bunch of those. His Rick James. It's one of the greatest sketches of all time. I remember when we were um, when we were doing the wraparounds, and when you show the sketch to the audience, and um, they played the Rick James sketch, and every time we played it, the room just exploded. <laughs> I mean, it just exploded like wow! Oh my god! Yeah, it was it was. You knew something different. You never nobody no one ever knew that it would go to the extent that it went, but you just knew something was big in that moment. Dude, there was a moment where like. People would just yell out, I'm rich, bitch. They would just yell it out in shows. People would just yell it out. Yeah. Like, they just kept yelling it out. I'm rich, bitch. There was, like, something <sighs> they wanted to say. They had to say it. Dude, that show had an impact, a crazy impact, if you really stop and think about it. It did. It's amazing that someone, somehow or another, through whatever, didn't keep that going. Like, I don't know what happened. I don't either. But God damn, how do you not keep that going? Just back off. 
Just yeah. back off and film it and just let them do it. What happened here? <laughs> how did you fuck that up? Let's how did get you, it. How did you fuck That's up? That's how I felt when he did SNL a couple years ago. You know, I was like, it's like that show is past us and a lot of everybody's doing different things. You know what I mean? But the show was so, the show was just so iconic. It's hard to forget about it. But it was like, um, if if it, when we did SNL, when he did the uh, Walking Dead s- spoof, <clears throat> when he did, Jamie, did you see that sketch? He did the uh, Walking Dead, he did a spoof for the Walking Dead. I didn't see this. Oh, my God. And this is a recent thing? Oh, this was SNL. He won an Emmy for this. This was SNL like God, um, I did not see this. two years ago. When this scene right here, man, I was saying to myself, this shit is cr-. like, because I hadn't seen him perform as a character actor since the Chappelle show. Mm. And he fucking bodied this. The beginning of this shit is ridiculous. It was funny as shit. That won an Emmy for like, they have, you know, they have a little special category like, uh, special like a comedy special not the not the premiere um emmys but the you know the ones i'm talking mm-hmm. about yeah that's that's a crazy scene to spoof too right that was a terrible remember that scene that's the, yeah and the walking dead but he did it that's like one of the most brutal scenes in all of television <laughs> if you really stop and think about it like I couldn't believe what they showed. Like, like when the they first episode out too of like the season, right? Right, I think so. They killed off two or three people. The the one dude who they what was his name? Glenn. The that Glenn that they kept hitting in the head, and you could see his eyeball pop out. I'm like, what are we see, doing? See, y'all watch that gory shit. But I can't fuck. With I didn't that. fuck with it after that. I was like, <laughs> I, I didn't can't, even know it was existing to this. Yeah, but he made that shit funny. That was some funny shit. Yeah, and if it was any glimpse of what would it be, oh man, he killed that, brought that back. It was. Well, you know, I mean, again, when you talk about all-time sketches, shit. It was fun, man. How many, how many episodes did it do all total? I don't know. What would, what would two and a half years be? I don't know. I would say probably 50 episodes maybe, if, if that, 50. Wow. Was it that many? It was a lot. And another part, not even the sketches, the music that, the music, mm. that would be a fucking dope ass fucking show just to show the guests. Kanye, yeah. young Kanye, Common, mm. Erica Badu, everybody used to stop through. What a crazy fucking show. Yep. Do you think he's happier doing that or he's happier doing stand up? I think stand up, you know. He shares the similar personalities, this similar personality that you share that I share, that Joey Diaz share, that want to be on stage, want to perform as a stand-up. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I can't speak for him. I don't think it's in, I don't think it's important for him to be on TV. I think it's important for him to be the best comedian he could be. Right. You know. You know. You know how you feel when you think you walk working. At the top of your game, you just hope everybody acknowledges it at the same time. I think also, too, you know, he did it, and now, you know, now he doesn't have anybody to answer to. You know, he did it. The show's done. He did it. Yeah. Still, in my opinion, I think it's the greatest catch comedy show of all time. And then to do the things like, <clears throat> it's hard not to talk about him because, you know, he's what some people consider the greatest to ever do it. You know what I'm saying? And then you have a relationship with that person. You know, you're not exploiting it but it's just interesting you know like 
I've I've seen his career go to the point where, and this is why I say uh, the the last special he did, Sticks and Stones, was so important for comedy, because critics and a couple of people were dictating the tone of comedy. It had people second guess some people second guessing themselves. Right. You know what I mean? I've heard, I was hearing comedians like, oh, I want to say this, but I don't feel comfortable. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? You got to say what you want to say. Right. You know? And there was a um, there was a comic, I won't mention their name, but they wrote a critical article about Dave and Sticks and Stones. And the thing that I found interesting was that they wrote a, they were a comedian writing a critical article, which is all fucked up right out the gate. And I feel of you as a comedian, if you don't know what specials, uh, like Sticks and Stones special, and like with Bill Burr special, what they do for the voice of comedy is saying, this is what we do, that's it, stop. Yeah. You know? Well, it seems like the, the expectations, cultural expectations of how we shouldn't, shouldn't talk about things, they're shifting so quickly. And people like demand compliance for you to, you know, behave a certain way. But our profession, yeah. we can't... Comp- this is not a profession to comply in. No. no we don't do it's, that. It's also like this move towards compliance. I don't, I mean, I think we should just be all nicer to each other. I think this compliance is like something that people, because they think they're right, they think they're going to enforce their idea on people. But it's like the worst way to talk to people. Right, they immediately son. It's just resist like, it. be yeah. nice. Just yeah. be nice. Just be nice. Just be nice. Motherfucker yes. tell you this. Joe, you probably had this. Why? Oh, why? It's because I'm gay. No, it's because you're an asshole. <laughs> yes. No, it has nothing to do yes. about who dick you suck yes. or any of that. Yes. It's because you're an asshole. You take the asshole out of anything. Yes. The asshole could be in anything. It could be in gay. It could be in white. It could be in anything. Take the asshole out. And you said it. Yo, just what is so hard, Joe, about being nice? What's so hard? We could be better at it. But yeah. When I see you, you're nice to me. I try to be real nice to everybody. Yeah. You, I've never felt that. You're nice. You know? Yes. That's all we got to do is be nice. I think people's disagreements are far less than they, we think they are. I think we get caught up in, in, in this. There's a fucking team thing that happens with people. And we're seeing it in this country right now when it comes to like ideology. Are you on the right or are you on the left? Just you know, it's just a it's a weird time. There's a be nice, yeah. Be nice, be nice, be nice. Whatever side you on, yes. Just fucking be nice be about nice. it. Yeah. You don't gotta be. We're all nasty Amer- about shit. We're all Americans too. I mean, it seems like we've gotten worse instead of better at like the two sides talking to each other. Man, I was at um a function in D.C. and I was Jeff Breland is one of Donald Trump's. Uh, right hand, he's in the, in that camp, and then there was another guy I met. He was a White House correspondent, right? And I'm in this party, and I'm talking both sides, right? And I'm understanding both sides. You know what I'm saying? I understand. Yeah. I understand. Both. Yeah. I'm having a drink with this motherfucker, and I'm right. having a drink with this motherfucker. Right. I'm doing a shot with him. Doing a shot with him. I understand it. And even though your sides differ, you don't have to be nasty. Yeah. Be nice, like you say. Be fucking nice. I think people have gotten to these weird positions of uh, just constantly interacting with people in negative ways. It's like patterns. Confrontation. Yeah. 
And then we think that, you know, this is a country divided. I don't think it's as divided as everybody thinks it is. I think the problem is people divide us. You know, you have a guy who's your guy and your guy gets voted in and, you know, you get excited about it and you go against the people who their woman or their guy didn't get voted in. And you have this little conflict with each other. And it's a stupid conflict. It's, it's a stupid conflict because it's just it, dangerous because you're basing it on a team thing. And if if the, the problem is having a fucking president in the first place, having government in the first place, we you seem like that. we need it. But the problem is having anybody that's got control like that, any one person of extreme power. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't seem like it should be a thing anymore. It seems like a thing we should have figured out was a problem a long fucking time ago. Dude, but I don't think we would have been in a place where we feel like somebody with that power is abusing it. And that's so interesting. Yeah. That's what's so interesting now. Because, like, there's no way to deny some of the things that uh, Donald Trump have done for America, some of the things he's done for the black community. They can, it's on paper and everything. It's on paper. You can see that one of the stats is the lowest unemployment, whatever. But jobs have always been here. It's just if a motherfucker want to go get a job or not. Do you understand that? Like, how does, how does someone increase jobs? Do they provide government jobs or do they open up avenues for businesses make it easier for businesses to succeed i think it's business, businesses and i think you got to create a certain mindset right but you know I mean, when someone says like we added jobs i wonder how how, how you make that direct connection between you, their I think, policies i don't think that i think you inspired you can i think you can inspire right. a movement of jobs because right, jobs are always you could be like like i don't know like little language like hey we've been hiring we're starting to hire down at the coal mine or whatever you know what i'm saying like yeah. You can inspire people to get jobs that are already there. One of the things I really hate is that almost everybody feels like they have to get into these uh, ideological arguments right now because we got such a, a strange president, such a polarizing president. Just what I don't understand about motherfuckers when it comes to Trump. How y'all motherfuckers still letting him make you mad? <laughs> Like, like, yo, I'm telling you, son, sometimes I wake up, I'm on CNN, I'm like, okay, we get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. Yeah. The, the other thing is, I mean, I don't understand how people are, keep getting mad about the same shit. You know a person's character. You know how you think they feel about them. And you continue to let them make you mad. Like, yeah. they can make you upset. It makes no sense. Well, everybody knew who he was before he got in there, too. It's like Everybody knew who he was. But, but is everybody he doing didn't. good things economically. I don't. I don't know. That could be an argument. I don't, I don't understand it. I'm, that could I'm be too... an argument that he could win, because he got yeah. numbers. Right. That's an argument he could win. How does that work though? The way it's always. And this is. I'm, I'm, I know I sound like a moron to anybody who understands economics, but I've always heard that there's basically patterns that they can almost predict where economies rise and fall and a lot of it is based on policies that they enact but a lot of it is based on just things you know have like natural cycles to them almost right and sometimes it has to turn sometimes shit is on the way up because of things that a president did and then this new president catches the wave like you that's always what, hear that right? yeah but that was the case and that's the case with that's the case that's the case with Obama and it shifted to Trump and everything. And, you know, Trump won. He won fair and square, however you want to feel about it. You know what I mean? The the um, the motherfucker won. But people <laughs> getting upset, people getting angry because somebody chose to vote for somebody. That's the, that's the dumbest shit ever. In <sighs> my lifetime, it seems like this is the most most polarizing people are versus Trump supporters or not supporters. 
is the most polarizing. You know, you're either with them or you're not. You know, it's like there's a culture battle. But you don't got to be angry about culture it. battle. No, you you don't have to be angry. Most of us are wasting a lot of fucking energy. Man, if if you can't correct it, if you don't know who the next Superman is going to be, just shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you keep on, man. It's like you keep on, you keep on. Just find out who is going to be. Mayor Bloomberg said, man, he looked he looked at the field and said, "Fuck, none of these motherfuckers can beat Trump. I may have to run." Yeah, he's going to he jump in. Ask, apparently, he may jump in it, and he's a data. He's a numbers guy. Yeah, he must you know, know, like if you're not going to like. Like, it's just senseless to continue to be mad. It's just so weird right now. People are saying people want to take away people's guns and people saying they'll fight to keep their guns. Like, what are we talking about here? Man, I don't even know. A lot of my friends don't even know the argument of guns. Because when we see a gun, it's never in a place where it's a gun law. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) The first time I went to Ohio, bruh, and I was going to department stores and shit, and they had signs outside that said, no guns allowed. Right? They had signs, like, no smoking, like, no guns. Right. And I'm saying to myself, wait a minute. Motherfuckers have guns where you have to tell them not to bring them in here? There's a lot of guns out there. There's certain places where you have, like, uh, Arizona, I think, Everybody is an open carry, carry state. That's always going to be scary to me. That is wild, wild west shit. Yo, I bet that cuts down on road rage, though. Cuts down on everything. That's the thing. Is that okay, though? Are you happy with this crazy armed society where everybody's nice because everybody's got a gun on them at all times? I mean, just don't pop the shot, man. I know. Shit, I wish we didn't need that. I wish people were just nice. Yeah, and I don't even know if that's really needed as much as... You have the right to do you. You know, some people just they love to exercise their right to bear arms. You have mm-hmm. the right to bear arms, but you don't have to bear an arm. Some people, you know, love guns. They love them. They can't wait to shoot them. Bang, bang, bang. They can't wait to fix them. They want to polish them and clean them, and they want to add new ones to their collection. And bang, bang, bang. And, and they, they, they get wanna, good at using them. And they just want to just. Ooh, and I some see. some of them are lovely people. They're really nice people. It's not a knock against them. I get it. I could see myself getting really into guns. Really? That's, You're that's not? a problem. Not not really. But it's it's they're fun, okay? Going to a range and shoot at metal targets is fun. And it's it's something where it could conceivably in this life it's it's possible. And it's happened to other people where you had to save your life. Right. I understand. With a gun. That's real. But people, a lot of people don't want to they want to deny that. Yeah, I would then- much rather if that was not true. I would much rather that, but it seems to be true that sometimes people do uh, break into people's houses and sometimes those people defend themselves. I wish nobody broke into anybody's fucking house. I really do. And I, I wish nobody had to shoot anybody that broke into their house. I really do. But we can't deny that that's a thing. And we can't deny that people have saved their lives with guns because some of them and have. And we can't deny also that, I know this sounds crazy too, and this is how black people look at guns. A lot of black people have lost their lives to guns mm-hmm. and they've lost their lives to guns with people of authority. You know what I'm saying? So when it comes to guns with black people, I can't speak for everybody, but that's a really strong place where the distrust in the whole system of a gun for a black person that, to feel. You Makes know what I mean? total sense. You know what I'm saying? Like even, in, even, even with cases, and I'm not trying to get radical or anything, we're having a conversation, even in cases where there's a, a, a young black man that had a, license 
and was legit, by law he could carry a gun, and he still at the end of the day was the victim of what people can consider to be an overzealous police officer, an unqualified police officer, or untrained police officer. But that's how that's how a lot of uh, black people see guns. And the other side of black people see guns is they use it to commit crimes themselves, you know? But it's when you when you talk about gun like even when you're saying you're talking about you're talking about the way that people know the NRA, they know gun laws. Half the motherfuckers in these different states don't even know that how easy it is to be able to have a gun. Mm. Dave Chappelle said it, and it was a funny joke, and it means a lot. He said, you really want to change the gun laws? Have every black person in Ohio, Ohio register to have a gun and see how quick the gun laws would change then. <laughs> you see all these niggas with guns, they be like, whoa, 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 we got to do something about this shit, man. That's the only way I can see you can effectively change it. But it's different, different Arguments on the whole thought of guns with different people, you yeah. know. I see both sides. I want to be able to protect myself. I yeah, I'm sure. But then you got to ask yourself, what environment are you living in where you have to actually? I'm yeah. just trying to right. where 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 you have to actually protect yourself, and where do you live where there's a chance that um, you could be in the parking lot and your Walmart cart <laughs> bumps the car, and next thing you know, it's a shootout. Ooh, that's a mindset. That is a mindset. That's a mindset. Damn. Shootouts are, that mean, preparing for shootouts. Jesus Christ. I always have a scenario, always have a shootout scenario. I know, but all, everybody would agree. Wouldn't it be better if we just didn't do that? Yeah, 100%. If people didn't ever put themselves in a position where you were going to have to shoot them. That goes back to what you said earlier. Yeah. Have to be nice. Yeah. Just be nice. Yeah, I don't want to be in this <clears throat> I don't want to be in a situation where someone had to think about shooting me. Exactly. <clears throat> I know where those places are. That's the problem with being nice, right? There's places where people are stuck in these crime ridden environments and it doesn't seem like there's any way out. That's what the problem with being nice is. So they sometimes either gotta, they gotta you can't either, to survive. Yeah, they, they either got to get out or you can't go there. And you can go there sometimes, but after a while, you have to um, you have to show people another side. You know, you got to show people another side. You have to. You know, people can. You said it before. People make excuses, but eventually, you got to say to yourself, "What can I really do to change the cycle?" Yeah. And you got to work at it. What do you think anybody could do to change the cycle? Like when you see impoverished neighborhoods that are the same way from the 1970s as they are in 2019, how, how do you fix that? Do you, have you ever thought tough, about it? It's a tough thing to fix. I think you have to, that people have to see other images. People have to see other images. You could brainwash people with advertisement. You know, you, people have to see other images. They have to see, they have to see other things. You have to show them something that they don't you got to show them success some examples of you got to show them like examples them. those people that have made it they really got to really care and get involved they got to be around they got to yeah. be able to see something different because most most kids in the inner city whatever they dream about it they dream about it and then when a couple make through 
when a couple of people do good, we don't put the energy into supporting them and recreating them. We put the energy into other stupid shit opposed to actually honoring this, a person that broke through, a politician. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, 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 and get with them. And, they, and, and kids have to see that. They have to see that this is possible. They have examples. to see it's possible. Yeah. Have to see it's possible. Yeah, people need to think that they've got hope. And that's, if you're in a spot where you're stuck in a crime-ridden community, that's probably the worst place you could be as a young person in this country. It's tough. Some people make it out of it. A lot of people don't. Some people make it out of it. A lot of people don't. But how, how often is that addressed when they talk about, like if, if someone talks about running for government, no one's ever, has anybody ever had a real feasible idea how to fix that? How to like take all these impoverished in, inner city communities we know have been crime ridden for decades and stop it. How do you stop it? What do you do? What, what, what's the plan? How do you go in there? How much money would it take? How much money would it take to take all of the, take one city, Detroit, impoverished communities in Detroit and bring it up? How, what, do, what would you have to do? How would you have to fix this? How would you have to have community centers? How much would it cost to have counseling and guidance and a positive community, like foster a positive community with people that are like professional, like um, uh, psychologists and healthcare workers and, 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 and doctors and people that can talk to kids and tell them about potential careers and things that they can do and that there's ways out and then foster them in the community programs that can get them tutoring to, to give them a little bit of a bump before they can go to college. It's tough. Like all these different things that just it's don't tough. exist. It's, it don't, a lot of it don't exist, but it's got to start at, it's got to start at home. It has to right. start at home. It has to, right? It has to because you can make all the plans, programs you want. Somebody has enforcement. So they have to enforce it. A teacher can have the best lesson plan and the best curriculum of ever. Of she can win teacher of the year, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But what if she, what, what she's teaching and what she's trying to get them to understand, if it's not reinforced at home, then it goes nowhere. Right. You know, and it's like the I don't even know how do you address the mindset of of parents or some people aren't supposed to be parents, but that's where everything starts. Yeah, well, everything starts there. I think some people it's a cycle, right? Some people had parents that were unqualified to have them, and then they became unqualified to have their own parents. And whether or not they should or shouldn't be responsible, we could all agree they should be responsible. They're not. Those kids, a lot of times, are the ones that get fucked over in life. They get a bad start, right? Yeah. But if if there was some way, some way through some sort of a community program to ensure that these kids always had a place that felt like a community, felt like family, they can go there, it's safe. There's always somebody, somebody there that can handle them and take care of but them. But man, motherfuckers got to get rid of the mentality of fucking their own shit up, man. Yeah. That's one thing. They fuck their own shit up sometime, man. Like everything you're saying, like Nipsey Hussle, the rapper that passed away, um, mm -hmm. that was well-respected in hip-hop. All all across the board, he was an example of everything that you're saying. Yeah. He was an example of how to fix it. He was an example of everything that you said he was doing, getting people up on their finances. He had a realty company um, out of the um, the uh, Marathon Clothing uh, shopping mall he had. He he employed people that came out of prison, people that didn't have a fair shake in life. You know what I'm saying? He right. did, he he donated to the community. He had kids in his videos. He was doing everything. He was trying to explain to people how important it is to have business, buy property. 
He knew where his store was. A train line was going to be coming soon. So all the property he bought around it, he knew how much it was going to be worth. Then and he tried to pass that knowledge on to a lot of people. He passed it on through his music. He passed on how he lived his life. He passed on by his associations. He gave everything. He didn't leave the fucking hood. He stayed in the hood. He built his name in the hood. He came from a place where people was comparing him to Snoop Dogg right out the gate. He snooped out, blah, blah, blah. He had to beat through that shit. He was selling his own shit. He recording his own. He's doing his own shit. He won't leave the fucking hood. He's letting people see his life. He's letting people see his motherfucking life. And with all that said, in his parking lot, in his hood, Another nigga shot him to death. And that's fucked up. That's the type of shit make me be frustrated about being black sometimes. God damn, nigga. And then you wonder why people say this about you. Our community needs to check motherfuckers and get garbage and rodents and roaches like that motherfucker out of here. Um, as much as we trying to figure out the problem, as much as we can put a million people in a fucking room and write, okay, this legislature, blah, 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 blah. Man, if motherfuckers don't start fucking their own shit up, ain't nobody ever going to fucking care. What's the biggest place in the world that we've re tried to rebuild? City-wise? Is it like Iraq? I mean, have they really tried to rebuild Iraq? I mean, what did they do once we took over? I, I know very little about how much money has really been pumped in. I know it's been an extraordinary amount, but how much money do you think has been pumped into like Iraq? If you had a guess. Uh, so I, there was that protest going on there last week. I thought we were supposed to be pulling out of Iraq. <sighs> we pulled out of Chicago. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, son. I'm sorry, son. I was turning, but I just the, the uh, more deaths in Chicago. The, always more deaths yeah. in Chicago, and motherfuckers need man. That's the part of the point I'm making, man. It's a whole mindset. That was a part of my point. It was like, what if they just cut that money in half? Whatever they're doing over there, and just put it right. all in, in Chicago. Cities. Put it all in places like Detroit, Chicago, any any place that's overrun with crime and violence if they put the kind of money but then they people, put into but, but, other countries but then yeah they do but then i think america thinks like this okay what is my investment what is my investment they'll give it up but what do they get out of in return they get more successful people more successful people contribute more to the society it's better for everybody the the more successful people we have if we're a community we all agree the united states is a community if we're right. all community we'd be better served all of us would be if more people were successful if more people were doing well, there'd be more money for the economy. That it's, makes sense. Yeah, it's possible. There's a drain when people aren't doing as well. Then that's education. Yes, then. it's education. It's inspiration. It's people showing you, guiding you, people showing you the steps that you can take, people that have done those steps themselves. There's a lot of people out there that you can know, do you, that. I think, and it's a movement, man, because like a couple of my friends, um, DJ Envy and Caesar, they, 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 Envy's on radio. Caesar's a real estate guy, and they've 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 been out like really trying to educate people on yeah. the importance of creating generational wealth. 
Yeah. You know, real estate and just being a, a different being a different person. You know, well, I think we all need mentors. We all yeah. need mentors. We need someone who understands what what it is we're talking about to sort of help us and guide us through. 100%. And as comics, we all are silent mentors to each other. A lot of it because like you, you you'll ask a guy, hey, how'd you set that up? Like, why would you switch it that way? Oh, they saw it coming this way, Man. but this way they don't see it coming. It's so those conversations. It's so interesting. You said that with the mentor. One of my mentors named Fat Doctor. He's out of Washington D.C. It's a great name. Fat Doctor. <laughs> Fat Doctor in the '80s. Fat Doctors was dope as shit, Joe. You know, like, and for, for, like, back then, like, he was a black comic. There was mainstream. He'd do the black rooms and he'd do white rooms. Richard Price said it was one of his favorite comedians. And Fat Doctor, um, he was, the reason to say he was because he's not really doing good right now. You know, like, his, you know. Health-wise. Yeah. And he was... He was that mentor to me. He was that mentor to Martin Lawrence. He was that mentor to uh, Tony Woods. He's uh, one of those guys that, like, if you know DC, if you know Fat Doctor, every comic has some piece of Fat Doctor somewhere. Whether it's being that motherfucker that can work a black room and a white room, whether it's being that dude that can fucking just demolish a fucking room. Everybody had a piece of him, wow. you know? And he's not doing well, you know? But I'm just giving him a shout out. Beautiful. I'm sorry to hear that. And shout out to Tony Woods. I haven't heard that name in a little bit. That, Tony, I love that guy. He's a funny guy. Yeah. He just, did, just did a write up on him in, um, in the New York Times talking about his lineage to DC comedy and people he worked with and everything. And Tony's one of those dudes that you know if you mention a certain city or something like, oh, Detroit or DC, you like Tony Woods, Fred right, Doctor, right, right. and all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Tony Woods, a funny, funny, funny comic, man. I always remember watching him in New York. He's, and he's was, been funny for years. I was surprised that more people don't know who he is. Like when I talked to comics, you know, even comics might not even know. He did a lot of stuff. He got, you know, with whatever we do, you know, we got to go where money is. I think a lot of right. part of his career was like a lot of his money was overseas. He was very uh, popular overseas. So, you know, you got you to gotta get your cash where you can get it. He's an elite motherfucker, though. His comedy's always top notch yeah always yeah he's got a smooth style too man like a very unique style of delivery that was um one of Chappelle's mentors mm, when he came up yeah we all have to have those right yeah like for me in boston a lot of it was lenny clark who, who i'm still friends with there's the there was these guys who were these uh boston killers you know that would headline at nick's comedy stop and all those comedy club stitches and all those places right. there was a there was like the mount rushmore of boston comedy right and they were nice to everybody they told us what to do like hey you got to write more hey you got to stop saying yeah. fuck so much you say fuck too much kid you broke the fuck meter like oh the <laughs> fuck meter yeah the fuck meter like they would tell you like if you say fuck all the time it doesn't mean anything it doesn't mean but anything. if you say it when you need it bang yeah. it's like what the fuck boom it means something now because right. you, you know you only said it once and they would tell you, uh, you know, about, like, what, what's a hack premise? Like, you might think you thought of that yourself, but a hundred other comics also right. have thought of that same And what shit. makes you different? What yeah. makes you different? Mm -hmm. What makes you different from yeah. everything else? That's how Fat Doctor was. He used to, he took me through the trenches. Okay, I was funny. Yeah, you're funny, but you curse too much. Then I stopped cursing. <laughs> you're cursing, but you only got five minutes. Then I have ten minutes. You got ten minutes, but you can't do clean. You can't, it was like, uh, they were, is they always going to have something. Yeah. To test you with. But I know Fat Doctor, he always used to say, no matter what we do in this game, and we all have problems, he said, when you go on stage, you put the problem to the side, you do your show, 
and then you pick it back up when you're ready to leave. <laughs> you always got to pick it back up. Yeah. But I wish him well, and I hope he does. He gets better. Yeah, I wish him well, too. Is his shit online? Can I see his stuff? Is on YouTube? Yeah, he probably got something deep down in YouTube. Deep down in YouTube. But he's one of those guys that we knew for years. We all have mentors. There's no, I mean, even guys who just, you watch them. Fabulous fat doctor. There it is. Even yeah. guys that you, uh, you know, you don't even know them well, but you watch them all the time. Like if you work at the store, you know, you get to see like uh, Justin that could go up over and over and over again and tighten up his shit. Right. Like even if you don't know him well, like you're kind of, if you're a young comic working the door, you're kind of getting mentored. Just watch that watch guy anything. tweak his act and change it. Oh, I like how he Martin did that. used to watch fat doctor. Martin used to watch. That was his wow. mentor. Before Martin did Star Search, they were like they were like really cool and 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 Fat Doctor took him on his wing just like he took a lot of us on, on his wing and tell you those little jokes, those little things that help you. In fact, I think when um Martin first had brought the um got the show Martin, Fat Doctor was out here, I think he wrote in a couple episodes. Dude, some of the worst bombings I ever had in my life. I had to follow Martin in the nineties. Oh man, I can't imagine Martin in the nineties. I was terrible and he was on fire. Nothing was hotter. Nothing. 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 I remember. I don't know if I told you the story. I remember. I remember. I was in D.C. I was in the bed with this chick, and we were watching HBO, whatever. And this when HBO specials were HBO specials, right? And it was like HBO special. And they said, give it up, Martin Lawrence. And Martin Lawrence came out there. I, I don't know if I said this. He said, when you give it up for a brother making money the right way, when you making money the right way, you can tell your lady shit like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> He said, and she'll shut up, too. She'd be like, oh, you so crazy. <laughs> Man, let me tell you something. I was in the bed. I stood up. I like this. I said, who the fuck is that motherfucker? <laughs> Yo, I was like, and he came out like, you know, he came out like when specials was like, specials was really special. Like, it, they came once a year, yeah. twice a year, yeah, and then it was usually with some big HBO production. You knew it was coming out post, you know? Mm -hmm. And he said, you can tell your lady shit, like, shut the fuck up. And she'd be like, you so crazy. It was like, boom, and it was off to the fucking races. That's what inspired you. That's what, it, that that inspired me. That made me, and then I saw him at the Comedy Connection at Greenbelt. It was a little small spot in Greenbelt. This was where we all started. I saw him there live. It's a little pizza shop that make it to a comedy room. It only holds like 110 people. Wow. And I was in the fucking front row like this, bro. I was like this. And Martin was on fire. And I was watching. I was like, this nigga saying all the shit I want to say. <laughs> Yo, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I was like, he just saying some regular shit. And it's funny. Like, he just saying some regular shit, some everyday shit. And it's just funny. And I, I was like this, man, I want to do this shit. Wow. Yep. I was like, I was like and, I, and I wouldn't even, I was fucking around and open bullshit open mic, just heckling. And I said, I want to do this shit. And it was Martin. Martin fucking used to tear rooms up. He used to destroy. It was terrifying. He's on tour. I'm on tour with him next year. Really? A, what is it? AEG. AEG, the touring joint. Mm -hmm. They thought, it's, they, last year they did, it's called the Lit as Fuck, Lit as Fuck Tour. <laughs> Martin Lawrence is the host of the Lit is Fuck Oh, that's tour. great. That's and, beautiful. Um, yeah, they, they announced it recently, and I'm going to do some dates coming up. I'm excited. Just to be a dude from D.C., 
That's like bucket list shit. He's one of the rare leather suit guys, right? He's wore I leather think he suits gave it on up, stage. <laughs> I think he gave it up. You know, everybody wear leather. When you get that first check, you got to put some leather on, son. <laughs> Look at him. Yes. That was the fucking outfit, son. Full leather poncho. Full leather. That must have been so sweaty. Not only that, but I'm just, I mean, think of it. That, like, you got to ask yourself, what the fuck was he thinking? But he was in the moment. <laughs> he was in the moment. But that was, a, that uh, was it. <laughs> you so motherfucking, that shit that set it off. That was amazing. So that was around the time when he was coming to the comedy store to work out his shit. Oh, yeah. And I was going oh, on after yeah. him. Oh, it yeah. was death. I know that room, those Dude, rooms had to be. People just get up. Like 90% of the people would get up. As that soon as you, you so crazy was like, there was, that was when, when it comes to like, uh, uh, like uh, um, hashtags and shit yeah. and phrases, you so crazy probably would fucking um, go against a rich bitch back in the 90s. Yeah, probably. That so you if so they crazy. had hashtags back then. And nothing was funnier than Martin. Right. Not on TV. No. He just had this energy, man. And he would play different characters. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I was dating this girl, and I, I had to break up with her because she said Martin Lawrence was corny. Ooh. I was like, bitch, I said, look, I, this is not going to work. <laughs> I was like, there is nothing else to talk about. Like, this is a rap. What the fuck are you talking <laughs> what about, What are you son? talking about? Yep, I was like, nah, that's over. Especially in the 90s, I'm telling nothing. you. I got to watch it live. It was one of those things where he was on fire. He was just in his zone. It was when Martin was And you know what? You want to think about it. Think about it. Um, you know some uh, comics are hot, mm-hmm. but it's one thing you know they're hot, and then they like they got a hot TV show. Yep. You know what I mean? Like it's like hot movies. Yeah, it's yeah. like just popping, man. Yeah. I mean, and I can imagine that. And they're coming Bad into the Boys store. With Will Smith. It's coming out. He they doing what is the third one? Yeah. I mean, he he was doing a action fucking yeah. movie too with I the mean, biggest what? name. Yeah. What he did? What he did a TV show? He did it. His own. He did a fucking action movie with Will Smith. He's doing comedy specials, and I'm telling you, like it was for me as a kid, you know, who started in Boston. I'd only been doing comedy for six years by right. the time I was out here already. Right. And when I was out here, and I'm working at the store, and six was, years in, and I got to go on after Martin Lawrence, and I got to watch him though, just be able, to be in the room, watching a legit comedy superstar. You know, six years in, like watching him, like I'm watching him all the time. I watched right. him 10, 15 shows. Just murder, man. At the t- just a razor's edge. How did you feel? How did you feel going? How did you handle it going after? Terrified, that? terrified. Just ate shit most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I don't think I, was, I had I a think, good no, no, set. No, no. I thought you were like, yeah, did I just say, no, fuck no, the no, motherfuckers? No, 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 no. That's hilarious. That. I ate shit. I yeah. ate shit. Pretty much every time I went on after him. You couldn't transfer the energy? They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear nothing? He was so good. He was so good and was I was it so bad. Was it one of them joints when motherfucker? <laughs> no. Yo, the funny thing is when you do that shit. Uh, and like, I'll go some places with Dave and like, he'll get on stage and then the whole crowd and just leave the fucking stage. Uh, I mean, leave the room. Like, fuck it. This has to be over now. That's funny. Yep. Yeah, man. I mean, nobody starts out great. Yeah, if you you had to go back, I started, and do off, you, I started off great, Joe. Did you? I did. From the jump, I swear to God, you never had a, a dull spot. Let me tell you, you it was bad. Sets? Real, I, it, it was. I was five months in. That's amazing. I came through. I just was like, I had already been just practicing my whole fucking life, whole not life, on right, jokes, just right, fucking shit. with motherfuckers. Yeah, and all I had to do was figure out a way to make that into a bit. But no, I hit that shit. Well, hard. it doesn't seem like it's an art form, but it definitely is. Because when someone talks shit to somebody really well, and everybody's like, "Ah!" 
yep. and we're all laughing. Like, if you can do that to a room full of guys, if there's like five guys sitting around talking shit, and one guy says something that's uh, so ruthless that all of the, us are on the floor dying, dying, that's it. That is stand-up comedy. You're yeah. just doing stand-up comedy for five guys. You just need a different platform. I yeah. tell, I tell any. It's so weird because I'll meet people, and I'm like, you should do comedy. Like, oh, I bet you tell it. No, you, you know how certain energy. You could tell uh, yes. certain energy. You like, you know what? Certain people you see, and you're like, you know what? I would love to see you try it one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, I'm not saying this is a career or anything, but if you ever thought about it, why not just fucking, you never know. Yeah, you do never know. It's. I encourage too many people to do too many things. I encourage everybody to start a podcast. I encourage everybody to do stand-up. I do it all the time. And I, people will get mad at me, going, you shouldn't encourage everybody to do it. But if you try it, you might be good at it. Like, it's not a special talent in the sense that, like, if like if you can't run fast, you're not going to win a track and field. You're right. just not. You're just not. But almost anybody who thinks they're funny, who loves comedy, has got a sense of humor and is smart, can at least make some attempts at stand-up. And I think if you can just get a little bit of traction, get going a little right. bit, you can get better. You know, like everybody's got a different pace. Your your pace was faster because you had been talking shit your whole life. Right. But other guys like were more silent and introverted. It took them a little while to right. get their thing going. But if they can do it, I but always then, encourage but even people if to they do it. do it, they got to keep doing it. Yes, you got to. You got to keep. You can't just like just you know like that guy, my friend. It's the grind. Yeah. Some people can't grind. I started. I started. I you know, I didn't start my podcast. Start started, but I recorded one today. Wow. By myself. It's for happening. For 44 minutes. Did you just do it Bill Burr style? And the reason why I did it, the reason why, the reason why I did it, because I didn't want you to talk shit to me. <laughs> I was like this. I was like, this motherfucker got a I, knockout punch. But listen, you're so good. You're so good on podcasts. For you to not have a podcast is an atrocity. But I, I did it for four. I, this is the first time in my life I talked for 45 minutes with nobody else but myself. Perfect. This is the first time I ever did that. It's easy for you. You could stay in this room for three hours and just go. I'm way better off with people. But I'm you could do it. Like you, you could go to distance. You could just do whatever. But it's a thing that you get better at doing. That's all it is. It's like everything else. Like be, being on a pod, like doing podcasts is a thing that gets you. You get better at being on a podcast. You get better at doing it. I think I'm. A, I've, I have fun. Yeah, you're gonna be perfect at it. It's I was your scared thing. of shit, son, but I knew I couldn't no. come in here. Listen, I knew I couldn't come in here. When not, I'll show you the timeline. Like I was year like, ago. I knew it ago. wasn't a year, son. It was like five months ago, son. And every time I see you, I just be wanting to say, "What's up?" And then he like stretching out and shit. He's like, "What's up with that podcast?" I'm like, man, I try to skip this. I say, you know, my son has a birthday. Yeah, that's cool. Everybody has a birthday. What's up with that podcast? This, but this is what I say. This is what I, and I really mean it. Everybody, I, the, one of the reasons why I encourage every comic to do it, because if you just put some energy into it, you have a thing that's all you. And if it's successful, it's all you. It's you. It's like you, yeah, and you're, you don't have to worry about getting fired. You don't have to worry about people being mad at you. It's you. I know it's me, out but you. me not used to talking to himself. But you could talk to a friend. I don't, I couldn't, I didn't have a friend then, I'm, son. I'm, I'm your friend. I'm your friend. I'm, you don't want to talk I'm to right me. Here. I do want no, to talk listen, to you. I, I would talk take. to you on yours first. All right. And then we can come and do mine second I or did vice one verse. today. I did one today. How about we do one today? I just did one. Okay. I just did one. I got 44 minutes. Okay. 
I did one, and I'm going to tell you, it started off, I don't know. I was honest. Listen, <laughs> I want you to critique it, son. Okay. You got to critique it, son. Okay. I'm, I'm, I just. I think you just got to put them out. And I am. If the first ones aren't your favorite ones, it doesn't matter. But that made me, I'm going to tell you, I felt, I was excited because you wouldn't be able to talk shit to me. I was. I was like, fuck that. Fuck that shit. I was excited you wasn't going to talk shit you to me. You took it on podcast. And man. I excited that I got 44 minutes of me talking. That's beautiful. And this is a start. And I'm telling the truth. Yeah, if you go back and listen to the early Burr ones, he would do it on a phone. He would like make a phone call to a place. And like it would be him on the phone. It wasn't even like a recorder on his phone. Like this Bill Burr's <laughs> first ones, he was doing way back before there was like an app on your phone that you could record on. Yeah, yeah. And he was See, just talking I... shit about people at right. the airport, just talking shit about this guy. Look at this fucking guy. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. See, that's what I want. I just want to talk <laughs> shit, son. I just want to talk shit. Well, you're a, a fucking master at it, man. You 100 should have a podcast. 44 minutes. When, the more people do it, the more comics do it, the more it empowers all of us. All right, what do I got to do now? All you just got to do is get it, uh, get I got it to 44 like a Libsyn account. You need a, uh, an account where you can get an RSS feed. Someone, oh, we'll, we'll help man. you. Don't, don't panic. No, I want to do it now. Come on, man. We'll help you. We'll help you. We'll help you. So you ain't going to do today. it, man. You're but not going to help Jamie's me. Jamie's going to help you. Jamie, I'm could you produce my first one? That's he, all I ask. Can I just get one? Yes, yes. Can I He'll get one, it. Jamie? We'll do you it. You can do it bootleg and shit. We'll do it. Come on, Jamie, help Don't me, worry, man. I'll take care of it. Donnell. Is that a yes or a no? Yes. No, man. It's it's a, a, yes. We got it. We got you. We got you. Yes! We got you. So we'll put it up. The first one. I got Thank 44 you. minutes. I'm going to airdrop it to you. Super easy to set up, so you just have to upload one every week. It'll be All easy. Right. All okay? Right. We'll get it. We'll get it started. I'm. So, you promised, right? But 100%. Him and me. Okay. We're going to go through this together. Don't We're forget make it me, happen. son. I'm not forgetting you. I'm going to do more, but I got one ready, you're son. Gonna, you're going to do more. I'm yeah. going to help you. I'll I do was whatever. honest. Good. Beautiful. I love you, son. I love you, too, man. I get happy when I see you, man. I get happy when I see you, too. I'm like, God, this nigga be working out. Everywhere I go, this motherfucker's everywhere. You at every club, son. You got to work. How can you not win? You got to work. Yeah. I mean, don't you think? I mean, that's the thing. Just put Man, in those numbers. How can you? And it's so funny because. And be nice. Be nice. Because when we did that show, like, we all did a good job, right? Yeah. But it felt good because we knew, like, we had put the reps in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like this, like, swinging haymakers. It's like, no, motherfucker. We got it toned down. I got this shit. Yeah. We Even when in. we did the, the Utah joint. Yep. That was so dope because, you know, we did the first one, uh, Ashley, uh, you. I mean, Ashley and you, and then they had the intermission that me and Dave, and then on the Utah joint, it was daytime. Right, that's right. Yo, that's it was right. this funny shit. The day. It started off during I told the day. them to wait. I'm like, what are we they doing? They didn't wait, right? So I'm like this, because I had just experienced something similar the year before with Frankie Beverly and Maze. Basically, motherfuckers wasn't there, and it was daytime, you know? And I was like this, you can't give Joe a motherfucking daytime audience. Like, it's the backstage of the festival or some shit, right? I was like, oh, man, this shit got to get dark. And I went on then, and it got dark, and fuck it, you went up there and ate that shit up, son. It was fun. It was amazing. Those gigs were special, man. Like, they felt like, they felt historic. They felt like we were doing something really fun. Yeah. You know? Which one is this? This is the Utah one. Oh, Utah was beautiful. Okay. They were both beautiful. Utah, look at that shit, son. Yeah, the sky and everything above it. It was perfect. They were both beautiful. I fucking love Utah, man. I like going there. Look at that shit, son. Look at that. Bam. 
But the, you know what I'm saying? Like those shows felt special. They felt like we're doing some fun shit. Man, that shit is like energy, man. You that energy? Yeah. That energy, like it's like <sighs> it was like some shit I would want to see. Like if I if I was a, a a guy who liked stand up who didn't do it, I want I want to see that show. <laughs> and it's the the show. And then it's seeing other people enjoy the show. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Bumping it to somebody. Hey, we were at the Rogan Chappelle show. You yeah. know? No, it was fun, man. That's dope. It was real fun. Gotta do more of those, huh? I'm starting my pot. You got me started, bro. Come on. Yo, you promised, son. You said you was going to produce. I promised. You said you I don't back a- out of promises. I'm, we're going to take care of it. I know. That's why I We had, had to-, to take care of it. We could just open up a branch that would annoy the fuck out of people, right? What? We'll hire a whole separate group of people so we could help people get podcasts launched. People be like, there's too fucking many as it is. Man, too many. You said you're going to do mine. I'm going to do yours. The first one. That's no, all. This is, well, I'm concentrating 100% on you. All right. But I'm saying, I mean, if we did decide to do that, to have a branch where it just helped people get started with their shit. But then the pe- too many people would ask. Then you would have like people. No, you got to pick it. You yeah. got to pick it. But then people get mad at you. You don't pick them. But don't nobody give a fuck. You're dealing with some like record producer type shit. You find a horse in your bed. Right? It's like a yearly draft. <laughs> you just yeah. want to be a five a year. Oh, yearly draft. Like yeah. <laughs> too much work. <laughs> See, Too man, much work. We just, just produce up. yours. We just produce. That's yours. it, man. Yeah. Just mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was I thinking? I was giving no, myself you- <laughs> an extra job. Producing yours is your easy. fans started fucking bu- trying to bully me and shit. Yeah, I was in Orlando, yes, and all these motherfuckers looked like you. Kept coming up to they me. They love you. They yeah. look like just like you, man. <laughs> <laughs> they look like you. They walk like you. They dress like you. They are you, sir. And they come up talk about what the fuck is up with the podcast. Ah! That's the truth. That's hilarious. Well, we got you. We're, we're rolling. All right. We're official. You heard it here, folks, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! That's it. We're rolling. Yeah, 100%. You got me. I'm going to do it. Yeah. It can't. Well, it has to be done. I know. It's hard to get going with those things. It's hard to figure out. Five months, son. Yeah. Five months of me being nervous. Five months of ducking you. <laughs> we had a couple five conversations. Five months of failed. Yo. We had a couple five conversations. Months. I tried it one time. I feel like I tried to do everybody podcast at one time. <laughs> I had fucking green screen. I had all type of shit going on, right? And I just fucking was talking, and I just couldn't get it. And I said, man, fuck it. I don't want to do it. And I tried to quit my own shit. Well, don't quit. This I'm is, not going to quit. We'll help you. 100%. You said that. All right. We're in. It's moving. The train is on the tracks. Choo-choo. The little engine. Dude, I've been reading this book about the Wild West. Holy shit. But it's an audio book. I say I'm reading, but I'm really lying. I'm listening oh, to someone shit, read. Oh, shit, man. I'm re- listening to someone That's read. That's fucked this. up. At least you fessed up. Oh, I always do. Um, Empire of the Summer Moon. Holy shit. Holy shit, is it good. It's terrifying. Empire of the what? Empire of the Summer Moon. It's about the, the wars between the settlers and uh, Native Americans. And I'm, I'm in like... It's track four, whatever that means. I guess that's chapter four. And holy fuck, is it horrific? Really? Some of the things that happened to these people. Man, on I don't both like sides. Go- you like gory. F- like- no, it's not that. It's the history of the United States. I w- I'm, I'm fascinated by like what happened with these tribes and when these these white settlers showed up. And I'm I'm fascinated by what the tribes were doing before the settlers showed up too. And this is, they detail a lot of that too. It talks about uh, the Comanche, about what happened when the Comanche got horses. And they they just really started getting really good at raising horses, and they had way more horses than anybody, and they, so they dominated. It's fascinating stuff, man. I mean, this wasn't that long ago that these folks were riding horses 
dominating landscape with bows and arrows and spears and hunting buffalo and cooking them over fire. And I mean, elk. it's fucking amazing. Their their life was I'm it, it is like like sort of, sort of fairy tale movie type shit of like avatar people. Like this is how these a lot of these folks lived. I mean, and it's savage too. Like the the, the murders when it talks about the murders and murdering murdering settlers and babies and all kinds of crazy shit. Like if you can't handle that, don't read it. But you're not reading fuck. it. You're listening to it, son. You're right. You listen listening to it. I'll to listen it. to it. Yeah. Is that better than reading it? It's just I can do it in my car. I'm always driving around. I mean, I try to read, but I don't read as much as I do listen. I listen way more than I read. You got to go on the beach or something where you can hear like a, like a, a book. It's like, yeah, like sh- flipping a page. I might have to check that out. I will check that out. How bold is it to buy a house on the beach? In 2019, how bold and, is it to say, you know what? I think everything is going to stay exactly the way it is. These LA, fucking scientists don't know jack shit. Like if you buy a house in Santa Monica or something where you're on those stilts right. over the water, it's going to go soon. What are the odds? How long what, do they have odds on what parts of the shoreline get er- eroded completely over the next ten years? What are I'm, the odds? I'm pretty sure somebody knows that though, or somebody's predicting or planning for it. Meanwhile, people are still buying those fucking houses. Imagine trying to unload them <laughs> when the water starts rising. It's like, oh, we're at 12 degrees. <laughs> hey, listen. What are they going to do? I mean, are they really going to lose all those houses? Or do they get to push back? Maybe they get to push back. Push the, push what? Oh, maybe they push the highway back a little bit. Nah, push I the think, houses back a little bit. Pick them up. <laughs> back I them think, up before the ocean comes. No, nah, they're going to take that L and rebuild, man. <sighs> take the L. This is a real cockroach. No, that's a um, tarantula wasp. Yeah, tarantula wasp? Hawk. Tarantula hawk. Is it in his grass to uh, eat or something? No, my friend was on the podcast talking to me about it, and he has a farm. And uh, he was telling me about these fucking things. They land on tarantulas and fuck them up and lay their eggs in a tarantula. It's dark shit. But they, and they look, they're enormous looking. And he was just describing how big it was. And I was like, what? And so then I get a package. And it's one of these motherfuckers. Show them a picture of it. Can we put, put that, a picture of it? And then they just Found come. a video of one f- a fight. Oh, okay. But, but that is what it, so, that is an actual real dead one. And he has them uh, around his uh, vineyards. Do you know the band Tool? Oh, so he likes them there. Well, he likes them there. To kill a tarantula. Par- I think they're all a part. I don't think they want to kill tarantulas. I think everything's a part. It's all a part of the ecosystem there. The only thing you want to get rid of is stuff that fucks up your crops. The size of these things. I mean, they're, they're mm. goddamn enormous. I mean, if I could describe this, how big is this for people that are just listening? It's, if it's straightened out, it's a good solid three inches, wouldn't you say? So creepy looking, yeah. When you say it's three inches, it's though, it's like the half the half the size of a tarantula. I don't want to hear any small dick jokes. <laughs> I was that's easy. That's, that's hacky. Easy. You don't even know what three inches is, but that's three inches. <laughs> I mean, a cockroach. Two inches at least. Like a small cockroach. It's hard to tell because it's With curved, folks. Because it's dehydrated and dead, and it's curled up in a ball. But I feel like if you straighten that fucker out, it'd be four inches. That's a big bitch. That's a big cockroach. That's a big bitch. That's alarmingly <laughs> large cockroach. So we're, we're looking at some shit from the animal planet. What is this that we're looking at, Jamie? Is this one oh, yeah. man. laying the eggs it's like, it's like in the tarantula? Fuck. One minute version. Nature is so ruthless, man. Man, this is gross. But that's what was so fascinating about that book um, when they were detailing the lives of the Comanche because they were brutal, brutal. I mean, but 
the also like they were living like it, you know in the 1700s they were living in this way in the 1800s they were living in this way that uh it's incomprehensible for people from Europe is it a series or anything or only a book it's just a book someone my friend the jackalope on uh Instagram He's a Hunter S. Thompson That sounds like something enthusiast. that would be turned into a series. It seems like it should be. Someone, if they did like a real accurate account of these settlers trying to uh, travel across the country and what happened to them and what happened to the Native Americans and the war with the uh, the soldiers and the, all the treaties that were broken and all the horrible, horrific shit that happened to them. But it's just, it's just all that aside, which you can never ignore, all that aside, it's fascinating just to think of how they were living their lives, just riding around on horses, spearing buffalo, but eating that was meat over si- a fire. They didn't grow shit. They didn't have baskets. They weren't doing pottery. They, weren't, they were just eating meat over fire, making bows and arrows and fucking things up and dominating the West. But they probably still had the same problems as everybody else. They, had, they had, certainly had problems. They probably had the same problems. As everybody else. It's just crazy to listen to the depictions of how they tortured the enemy. And whew, it's, it's hardcore. But it's just, to me, when when you hear what's uh, you know, a well-researched, accurate account of something that happened in our past, it's uh, it always makes me think. Like, it's hard to even believe that life was any different, even though we know it was. In right. 1600 and 1500, we, it's hard for we us to believe. think about We that. can't even think about what it would be like to live a bow and in arrow? that time. And these motherfuckers I was just riding Diego, horses. And- I was in San Diego last <sighs> week, and they had some type of um, exhibit going on. And this dude had, like, some real bow and arrows, like, some long-ass, like, Like real Native American ones? Na- and I almost yeah. stepped, and I just looked at it. I was like, God damn. You know, you think about the man... And if you could build a tool like that, you was the shit in the tribe. Yeah, back then, if you could build a good a, bow, a, a good bow, and and practice that shit on something. Wonder when the bow was invented. When did people first start fucking each other up with bows? Let's guess. You know the Mongols had it. So that was in the twelve hundreds. Because and that was famous. like this, and it was no gauges or anything. It's just like something that bent was a bow. Yeah. Well, sometimes. I mean, some of them, they were really skillfully made. And they got really good with their arrows, too. And they got really good with the the right size and the right kind of wood. So they would weigh, like, a similar amount. And there was an art to teaching people how to shoot the bows and the arrows. But, God, they were so crude in comparison to what people have today. But and they was back then, it was the shit. It was the shit. The Mongols, they had a bow, supposedly, according to... Um, um, who had who had a um, who had a, a piece on the the bows of the Mongols? There was like an article that was written about the bows of the Mongols. What are the bows of the Mongols? Just gigantic oh, you, fucking speaking, bows that the they bows, would pull the, back. That were the Mongols was a tribe. The Mongols, yeah. Oh, the Mongols. Dan Carlin's Hardcore History has this amazing series on it called "The Wrath of the Khan," and Dan Carlin t- said that their bows were like 160 pounds to pull back. And Damn. so some guy wrote an article. I, can't, I cannot remember what it was in, but it was all detailing the science behind the bows. But you couldn't lock it or anything. You had to, you had to just... And hold it, right? And hold it and then shoot and these arrows. That's insane. When you, you stretch it out. You can't aim until you have it stretched, right? Right. Yeah, I'm not 
good at th- I don't know how to shoot one, honestly. I mean, I, I kind of know the principles behind it. I've maybe shot one 10 times ever. Right. The, one, the one I use has a release. You clip the release to right. the string. It's just arrow, yeah. Yeah, it's a different kind of thing. What they're doing, yeah. There's See, a that's what I'm Mongo talking about. It's called a recurve bow. And that guy, I mean, I don't, I don't know what, what he's pulling back, but I can bet these guys are strong as fuck. Man. And they said they're skeletons. Can you just imagine looking back at the dude is. Has his bow already back there? And some of them had deformities in their skeletons that they believe were were um, probably caused by the uh, injuries that they got from pulling back these heavy ass bows. Like they developed these, you know, calcified joints and all sorts of weird bone deformities just from pulling back these gigantic fucking bows. That's it would, it's so hard to pull something like that back, man. Like a lot of people can't pull back like a seventy pound. But ball. you're talking. You're not just talking pulling back. You're talking about pulling back and holding it and holding yeah. and aim and trying and to hit something. Yep. Not just like phew. Yep. And We're talking about a hundred times a day, two hundred times a day, and keep going out there to find your fucking bows, <laughs> your arrows and shit. Like, dude, missing like shit, dude. They had to be so fucking strong. But they got it done. I would have, you know, like, if I could have a time machine, man, and just drop down and watch the Comanche, like, run down a herd of buffalo and see them. Like, if, if, I, if I could just be a fly on the wall and watch what it was like to be, like, a Comanche in the 1800s, I, that would be fucking fascinating to see, man. That would be an interesting eye. Just people living in this really wild, nomadic hunter life. They barely even gathered. They barely even like ate nuts and, and berries and shit, apparently. They're just they had to be hunting, hunting all the time. Yeah, and they were, they were using all kinds of fucked up methods, man. They would light the fields on fire and chase them into rivers and shit. What, the, buff, um, the buffaloes? Yeah. Yeah, it's wild shit, man. And this is life or death for them, right? If they don't get a buffalo, they don't eat. <laughs> Fuck, it's, it is so... It, it's... There's something about it that's so. You gotta so come home with a motherfucking buffalo. <laughs> you have to. Or Yo, nobody eats. What I know, they. I wonder where they like. Man, we sick of these fucking potatoes, motherfuckers. I don't think they had many potatoes. There was a lot of buffalo. What vegetables do you think they had? There was a guy named Dan Flores that wrote a piece, a piece about uh, what was happening once uh, Native American tribes started riding on horses and running down buffalo. And they were like, the numbers were getting decimated. They were like, even if the market hunters didn't come along and kill all the buffalo, which, you know, they did, they said it would just would have taken longer. But these Native Americans on horses were so effective. They, they, were, eventually, they were eventually going to wipe them all out. Crazy. I would love to have seen what that was like, just to to see those people exist. You seem like you would like to live that life. No, no, I like I like air conditioning. I like food. But like it seemed like you would go like you would go if it was a weekend of that shit. Oh well, I've done it on weekends. Really? Yeah, I mean, sort of. Like I've gone camping and hunting. It's sort of. I mean, it's way easier to do than right. it is to do it with you know. M- ancient bows and arrows yeah. and shit. That's hard to do. But there's probably arguably way more animals around back then too. Yeah, them motherfucking animals still, got shot up, son. Those guys lived their their entire life with no knowledge of the Western world. There's there was many generations where they didn't have any contact. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Spanish come here and the French came here and then all of a sudden so it's how the they 1400s, the 1500s. I th- I think they didn't even get horses until Damn. the uh, the Europeans brought them over. 
And then they, they got once they got horses, they just start kicking everybody's ass, <laughs> especially the Comanches. Yeah. Apparently, it's, it's amazing, man. This book is it's got me. I've all Yo, I'm they thinking about it all for, day. They, they, did they take horses? Yeah, they stole horses from people. There's stories in in them about uh, them stealing horses from soldiers. Didn't know what the fuck they're doing. Comanches came and really? stole all their horses. Yeah, they they would steal all their horses and leave them to die because you know you're in the middle of this fucking area with no food, no Damn. water, no rain. Good luck. They were just leaving to die. And they knew what they were doing by taking their horses. And that was fun for them. <laughs> they were like, fuck <laughs> they you. They like, get these yeah, fucking horses. Instead of just killing good. them, I mean, they could have killed them. Easy. They decided, you know what? I'm not, we're not even going to kill you. We'll let you slowly <laughs> run out of food and water. You, you're about 300 miles away from anything to eat. See ya. Good and luck. You, and but damn, that's how they plan revenge and everything. Hardcore, then. dude. That is hardcore. Like, they'll just starve. Like, they just, that's fucked up. It's just reading these depictions of what the combat was like and you know, the, the raids they did on these settlers' uh, villages and shit. Like, these people tried to, they sold people land in, like, Cherokee or uh, uh, Comanche-infested territory. They it, sold, they gave these people this giant swaths of land. Say, here, build a house. This will be perfect for you. And, and they're like, oh, okay. And so they moved in. And not then it knowing. took control of it. And then Comanches came and killed everybody and took people slaves. And, and Oh my God. Who so, was the real estate agent on that deal? Dude, the United States government, Uncle Sam's got your best interest. I don't know who it was that told them to do that. It was, I think it was a homestead act. It was one of those things where we were trying to get people to uh, settle the West. And the way they were doing it was they were offering anybody who would go out there you would get a certain amount of land for free if you just go out there and you but had then a the farm Comanches, it for a you little. Said came and took they, it. they just fucked everybody up, and that's what this this story is about at this point. It's fucking terrifying. I want to watch that series, man. I know, right? And, that and shit Netflix me, needs to get on it. Somebody's gonna yeah. get on it. It just felt too like really cowboy. I don't know. Dude, that's so. That dude. series seems like I could watch that shit. There's a wild romantic connection that we always have to the way Native Americans live, but I've I've never really seen it dis- depicted in this uh, way as this book. It's like very fascinating. Just amazing to, to hear like what life was like hundreds of years ago right here. Damn. I mean, the change whew, out of nowhere. Imagine if you looked at the year 1400 and then go back through time. You could, you could go hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Not much changes. Right. It all kind of looks the same. And then all of a sudden... 1500, 1600 buildings, buildings, 19, 2000, 2019, planes, pollution, infrared, Mars. 5G, Occupy Mars. I got a Mars t shirt on. <laughs> well, it all happened it's so happening. quick. It did. It's fucking cruise ships. What? What's look at the size of that boat? What the fuck is that? Giant boat that can't stop or slow down. They just, bang into harbors. You just, <laughs> you just waving at people, just docking that shit. <laughs> In Cleveland, they got a line of those boats. They just they just wait on the side. When I was in Venice, the uh, boats let out. You got some peanuts or something, son? Yeah, you hungry? Are you hungry? No, I can use some peanuts. We don't have any peanuts, but that's a fat bomb. That's an F bomb. I don't want this shit, son. It's good for you. I don't want no poor. That's I don't healthy. want no. I know, man. Nobody wants those. No I eat those. Don't say nobody. What do you mean I eat you them eat this? What is I it? Do. What is it? It's like it's a, mostly nuts and fats, healthy fats. But a liquid? No, it's like a gooey paste. You man, chew it, I don't can't want no do it. Damn gooey paste, man. <laughs> Fuck out of here, son. Nah, it that's all good. you, son. No, that's all that you, son. All me. I love these. Yeah, I eat the nah. shit out of these. They're called f bombs. Nah, yeah, man. this is uh, salted chocolate macadamia. One of my favorites. But what is it supposed to do? 
gives me um, healthy energy. Okay. Like say if I just need like a little bit of a snack, like if I'm going to go work out or something like that, but right. I want to eat a full meal. I'll have one of oh. these. Or if in between meals, I'm like a little bit hungry, oh, I'll have one of these. you just you know squeeze that shit. Yes, nutrition. Yep, that's nutrition in a bag. That's a free ad for F-Bomb. Oh, I love that shit. I love, like, I can't say that without sounding gay, but I love nut butter. <laughs> how different from, like, peanut butter? Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say how different yeah. from jizz. Nope, nope. <laughs> I mean, it's it's almond butter is a little different than peanut butter and the way it, I don't know what that's a they good question. They should get a like, new name. I don't know who nut butter. <laughs> nut butter. I don't think they ever expected. <laughs> what do you think is more? This is a good question because I never really. What's more nutritious, peanut butter or almond butter? Do we know? Let's find out. Let's Google. What's more nutrition? Well, nutri- I mean, like which company makes it? Because there's going to be added. Mm, that's true. That's true. Just maybe there's like a pure definition though. Maybe by definition or just just by fact, almonds have X amount percentage of this or that that peanut butter doesn't or vice versa. I don't know. Almond for the win. But most people aren't allergic to almonds. Not that most people are allergic to peanuts, but Man, I've heard of more people being allergic to peanuts than almonds, right? Because you always hear it on the airplane. They have similar nutritional value. Almond butter is slightly healthier than peanut butter because it has more vitamins, minerals, and fiber. But both nut butters are roughly equal in calories and sugar, but peanut butter has a little more protein than almond butter. So pretty similar in the, in the neighborhood. Not, the a, but, not a not giant butter. leap. But people get, uh, Callan's mom's got an allergy to Brazil nuts. Which is kind of crazy. How do you find out what nut you're really allergic to is a question. With some people, they barely survive it. Some people, are so they're so allergic to peanuts that if they get on a plane, they will ask other people on the plane to not eat peanuts. They'll say that, but you know what? I, I mean, I don't know about that. I'm pretty sure out of all the times you've heard that announcement, right? Right. Somebody has had some peanuts on that plane. Some fat dude who just I don't doesn't think, give a fuck about the world. I don't think you can have a flight. Yo, <laughs> yo planners, bitch. He just eats it like this. So no no peanut dust gets in the air. Yeah. <laughs> but he's got peanut breath for the whole fucking flight. Yeah. He's he's secretly hoping he hears her coughing. <laughs> That's a weird allergy, man. Nuts. Peanuts. Peanuts, it's a weird one. It'll shut the whole it's fucking terrible. plane down. Well, it's also a deadly one. It's not like an allergy to milk. Allergy to milk makes you fart. You feel terrible. You get lactose right. intolerance. You know, allergy to peanuts is a serious one. That's a death. It's like that could kill you. Your face deforming and everything, really? right? Yeah. Is that what happens? I mean, the people that I've, well, that's I've seen that allergy rea- allergic reaction to like seafood, but <sighs> I can imagine it's probably the same type. Wow. There's so much shit that can kill you if you really wanted to. St- Sit down and freak out. You could. <laughs> Easily. Easily. You know? That's what's hard in life. It's hard to keep your eye on positivity. Just move forward in a purely positive. It's so easy to think about all the shit that could go wrong. So all the stuff that can kill you and all the poisons and All drugs. the distraction. <sighs> and it's, it, like you say, it's easy to think of that. But you want to know that stuff's out there, right? You don't want to be ignorant. You have to have some knowledge. You have to have. I think you should have um, a minimum amount of knowledge in almost in a lot of shit. Do you hear about the shit that's going down in Mexico? What is happening? Where those Mormons uh, got, got shot up? Shoot out. They got shot up by the cartel. But to, then they tried the first report. They tried to say they made a mistake. They made a mistake. Yeah, they was like, oh, they don't think that they think that it was a hit went wrong. That was right. original reporting. 
Panana is just a hit. So they, they now they think it's just a hit. It's not a mistake. Yeah, 100%. And some of the Mormons, a lot Ugh. of them was like, fuck that, we out of here. They should. They should get out of some there. Some are staying. Plagued by deadly attacks, members of this Mormon community are fleeing I thought Mexico. that was Theo Vaughn. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Is that what he did Yo, yo, yo. I <laughs> was like, God Back damn, man. <laughs> yo, I was like, Theo Vaughn, what the fuck? You was a Mormon, bro? Oh, it's the video before it. There he is. Oh, <laughs> that's Theo Vaughn's future right there, buddy. That's him. That's Theo taking a break backstage on his stadium tour. <laughs> that is fucking Theo. That's by, by this time, Theo's doing stadiums. And he's like, hey. <laughs> we'll say. That's fucking funny. He's a funny dude, that Theo Vaughn. Hilarious. He's a very funny dude. He's a unique guy. Like, his funny is very unique. Like oh, he, yeah. He makes, like, if you see it written down on paper, you wouldn't know, why is that funny? And then you see him say it on stage, you're dying. It's because it's coming out of him. It's he's, out of him. Like, he's got an act like nobody could rip his act off. Good Never. luck. Good luck. Nope. How are you going to, what are you going to do with that? You got to be that. You can't. <laughs> He's one, you can watch him and you're like, yeah, yeah man, nah. -uh. He's one of one. Theo Vaughn's one of one. I don't know a number. Oh, Hamster he's, bones. The, he's like that other guy. Oh, yeah. No, there's no, nah. no nobody says you're like Theo, Theo Vaughn. You're right. That's, right? He's, a, he, he's a Theo Vaughn. That's like saying, like, you're like Brody Stevens. I've never heard anybody say he's like Brody Stevens. Shout out to everybody who can't read and write. Y'all could have worked harder in school, but whatever. Hope y'all are doing well. Amen. See, he's all about the Lord, man. <laughs> he's all about the Lord, man. Y'all could have worked harder in school, but whatever. <laughs> and you hear it coming out of his mouth. Yeah. I remember he told me the story of why he didn't like black guys coming up because one of them jumped him on the school bus. He was like, he's named, he was like, it was Tyrone Jenkins, right? <laughs> He knew the name, and all I could do is respect the story, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's been fucking that forever. He's a hilarious guy. Yeah, it's such a fun time for stand-up, man. There's so many killers out there right now. Yep. You know, like any night, if I go to the improv or I go to the store, any night, it's just murderers row. I saw Damon working his new hour. Oh, yeah. He's doing his new hour in the lab. It's good. That's it's already a good, workout. good. The comedy scene now is just... It's on fire now. And he's, Damon was, he took time off, you know, so he decided to come back, just do these shows. Have you seen him work it out? Yeah. I was watching the other day. It was funny, man. Yeah, he knows how to it's do a special. Funny, always. He's ready. By the time he goes on stage, he's ready. But he, yeah. he has a different approach. He films every show, every single show he does. He brings a tripod in his camera, and he films it, and then he watches it and analyzes it. Like, oh, oh, he'll get it down. Oh, People be interested sure. to see him, too. You remember the one special he did, The Last Stand? He called it his last stand. When he dropped the mic? Yep. Yeah. He was doing movies with Bruce Willis. Remember he did he that? He was on fire. He was on fire. He was on fire. He's, He's always been on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was on fire. He dropped the mic like, yes. yo, that's so funny. <laughs> remember the bit? So does this start off with him picking the mic back up? I've no, got money, Sandy. Right. I'm yeah, sure oh. it's like this. That I would be hilarious. Up. Yeah. It would be hilarious <laughs> if he started this next special that way. Pick the mic up. I don't know if he's like ready, getting ready to do a special. I think he's just putting together material. Right. It was fun listening to him, though. We were all in the green room of the improv, and you know, we we're talking about just stand up in general, like his approach 
and you know he he's he's a guy who works. You know, Always. I have a lot a lot of respect for the way he puts together his shit. He's not just going up there winging it and not. You know, he's covering all the bases. He brings a fucking camera. It made me feel lazy. He's got a goddamn camera and a tripod that he's carrying around personally. Right. He's setting it up. He goes home and edits the videos. He puts them all on his computer. And I'm sitting here going, oh, okay. I'm like, fuck, I'm lazy. Like, I need to get a goddamn tripod. Nah, son. Everybody got different systems, That's man. That's true, but I when someone takes the watching and analyzing that deep, I got to go, hmm, he might be onto something. Or the, he is, right? that's, his, that's his thing. Because don't you think that if you do a set and then you watch the set, it's almost like you did two sets? No, sometimes I watch, I watch shit sometimes. I watch shit with no sound. Mm, just to see what you look like? Yep. How do you look? I look like I move around a lot. I look like I'm telling a story. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I look like I'm telling a story. Right. You know? I look like I'm fucking telling a story. But if you were going over new shit, right? Like, say if you release a special and then you want to write a whole new hour, you would want as much feedback as you could get, like, for personally. Like, as you're formulating the bit. You know how bits are just yeah. in the beginning. You don't know where the fuck you're going. It's a little clunky. It'd be good if you could see it, too. Yeah, but, you know, you feel it more than anything, you know? Yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, I think you have so many thoughts. You might want to, you know, write something down just so you can have all your thoughts in one space. But you feel it, yeah, you know? Yeah, you definitely do. You feel it like, shit, you start talking about doing it more special you, you write ch chunks of material mm -hmm. you know and then yeah. you know it's one once once you feel good about something you know yeah i was just thinking his method is one step further than mine which is just listening like i think he's probably that's probably the way to do it I mean, if you're going to record your sets you really should record record like you really should have a fucking video of it you know and watch it it's like that level of discipline. That's like next level discipline. But then what, the way he writes is interesting. He was like, I never really write things down in terms of like write the whole bit out. He goes, I right. have ideas. Exactly. I, I gotta. I have to say it. And when he's saying it, he finds the funny. I was watching him do this bit. It was really interesting because we were talking about it. And then I watched him go downstairs and do it. And, you know, in the 90s, when I was just getting to the store, he was like a hero. In the in the comedy world, Hell you know, yeah. to be able to work with Damon Wayans at the comedy store when I was in my twenties, I was like, "This is crazy." That's Damon Wayans from the fucking Wayans Brothers. Exactly. This the other the other candidate for the greatest sketch show of all time. Those are oh, my yeah. top two. Oh my god, that's the other candidate. So I'm sitting there working with him at the fucking goddamn comedy store. It was weird, man. That's the weirdest thing, man. When you're a young guy or a young girl, you know, you just get into comedy and you you start to break through hanging out with comics that you used to watch right. on television. You're like, oh, shit. And then you realize <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck just happened? You're yeah. like, what the fuck? It's weird. But you get used to it. You go, oh, they're just But then people. you're hanging out with them for a reason, though, because everybody yeah. don't hang out with them. Yes. That's you know true. what I'm saying? Like, you're, 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 there's a reason why you're hanging out with them and not everybody else. Yeah. You know? Yeah, at a certain point. I mean, there's only so many people that are going to get past the store. See, you at, at Marlin, damn, man. So you was out here when they were really, just like, the comedy scene was on fire. It was interesting. It was really it was very, interesting. It, it, it was really black dark, back then, didn't wasn't it? Oh, yeah. The comedy store was, for sure. Like, the, the all the killers. You know, there was Fat Tuesday. That was the biggest room, like, the biggest promoter room. Those guy Tories. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Joe Tory, 
who uh, did Def Comedy Jam. Right. So everybody know the Tory Brothers. So that that was a that was it wasn't didn't Tupac pull a gun out at one of those or somebody with him. Wasn't there some crazy story from the comedy store about like Tupac almost getting in a gunfight in the fucking main that room? That could have been any store. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been any a, store. In the nineties, that could have been any store. Son. Yeah. The comedy store was wild back then. It yeah. Was, it was, yeah, there was there was moments where it was wild. There it is. Guy Tory recalls curving Tupac at the height of east west tension. Curving. What does that mean? Uh, stopping diffusing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think there was a some sort of firearm in the premises. Yeah. But anyway, it's like then. But then, other than those guys, though, here's the thing that was crazy. It was like there was a lot of guys that were there that were laid over from like the '80s that you like you you don't hear from anymore. Right. There was really funny people too. They just for whatever reason they just never never quite caught Popped on it. for them. And back then, they missed what we have now. Because if you didn't get a television show and you didn't get on a movie, you're fucked. Yeah, it wasn't nothing to do. There was nothing else to do. Right. It was so few guys. All the road. Just got famous from doing stand-up. Yeah, exactly. Everybody did something else. And then... And that's over... Oh, yeah. But you you wouldn't get fame in New York, but you could make a, a living in New York. You could make a living in Boston, too. Yeah. Same thing. You can make a living. You can make a living. Yeah. It ain't going to be no ex extreme living, but... No. You can make a living. You had to uh, have some kind of TV show or something where people would come to see you. You know, Martin had everything, obviously. We just talked about it. Yeah. But most most people relied on something else, and some of them, it just passed them by. And then they were in their 40s and 50s, and they had never really hit with anything. And you'd see them hanging around, but it was just like, fuck, it didn't work out. And then right. this new crop came in after that. The new crop came in like the 2000s. The early 2000s, you start seeing these new guys coming in. And you start seeing, like, that's when uh, Ari Shafir was already killing at the club by then. He was already doing, like, smaller spots by then. You know, he was, I think he was a, probably even, I wonder, when did he become a paid regular? Sorry. Yeah. But it was, it, you know, it was on the comeback. It, it, goes, it went back and forth till now. And now, yeah. over the last, like, four and a half, five years, the comedy store is on fire. It's now on, it's not like anything else I've ever seen. It's feel I can't even explain the um, energy on Tuesdays. Yeah. The whole fucking week is dope, but it's something about Tuesdays. Tuesdays because everybody's off the road. Tuesday just like. Yeah. It's like that. It, I think the comedy store on Tuesday nights right now. Yeah. It's a hot night. And then the energy, the patio energy, it's a good mm -hmm. spot. It's a great spot. And then there's roast battle afterwards. And then Tuesdays, a lot of times, Jeremiah does that stand-up on the spot show, too. He does which, that a lot on Tuesdays. On which room? In which room? He does it in the belly room. He's doing it this Tuesday, but I'm at the improv. I'm out of here. Where am I Tuesday? He, uh, I'm in DC. Have you done that show? The which stand-up on the spot show? No. <laughs> you just get blasted. You just get what as high, high as you can. Just have like two or three drinks. And then people yell out. Subjects, you have no idea. Oh, you get this. Yeah, you have no oh, idea. Like fun. Oh my god! Every now and then you come up with a bit. Every oh, now and then, that would be fun. That would be a real test. Yeah, it's fun. That's a real test. You would, you would excel at that. You need to do that. Yeah, I'll do that shit. You need to do it. He does it like one Tuesday a month. I told him, why don't you do it every week? What the fuck? It's in the belly room, right? There's yeah, like sixty people. Just do it every week, man. I don't think I he want wants to do to. it. He needs to farm it out to like a, have a B promoter. Like to when just he's not around, around. <laughs> seven every week. If he doesn't want to do it every week, I get it. I get not wanting to schedule it every week. But that is a good place to for the birth of a, a joke. Oh my god, it's amazing! And the audience knows you have no fucking idea what you're talking Scariest about. Scariest <laughs> feeling ever. 
They're like this. Wait a minute. This motherfucker uh, just made this up. And they know you're blasted. Oh, so they get yeah. lit? Oh, yeah, I do. I don't do that show. I don't do that show sober. I have. It's just, I'll smoke an L. I don't think I do no alcohol. Well, I fucking, yeah, I You never know. Yeah, that sounds just like one a little bit. Drink. Next thing you say is like, just yeah, a let little me bit. Tito's a tonic to yeah, go. Just a little bit to get the old blood pumping. Get the old don't give a fuck engine cranking. Get it going. What's up, Jamie? Uh, there is a Tupac shootout story. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, oh. So Joey Diaz had it on his podcast. Yeah, he told it on his podcast. Oh, okay. He probably told me about it, too. <clears throat> yeah, man. Wow. Tupac came in, he's your friend, and got into a shootout. No, wow. That's how Eddie Griffin, Eddie got, Griffin banned. got banned because Tupac got into a shootout? There's still bullets on the Mondrian across the street. Oh, my God. Spilled out to the street. Damn, son. That's too much <laughs> oh to go. Oh, my God. Yo, they Now I'm responsible for Tupac bullets? getting into a shootout. How crazy were the 90s? Jesus, Him Tupac. and Tretch from Naughty by Nature beat somebody up in the main room also. Oh, God. Damn. It's Guy Tori's night. Jesus Christ. Yo, that night, that night was off the hook. Whoo. I remember that night. Fat Tuesdays. Do you do Laugh Factory much? Yeah. How do you like it over there? It's cool. Yeah? Yep, I have a good time. I do Chocolate Sundays. I do a lot of J. Davis shows. It's a great room, the way it's designed. It really it's is. It's a great room. The, you know, um, the Ice House is a new owner now. I heard new about that. New people bought the Ice House. I haven't been on a new I think they're going to just keep it basically the same, pretty much. I think yeah. And Bob is like, uh, he's consulting for like a year, making sure oh, yeah? they, they run smoothly. Yeah. That could, I mean, the Ice House has the history. That's a good room to work, too. Oldest room in the country. Is it? Yep. Yeah. It started stand-up comedy? It started with, uh, like, um, variety acts. And um, then it went to full-time. It was originally an ice house, like, back before they had refrigerators. And people would buy ice. Oh, yeah? That's why they call it the ice house. And sense. then it became, like, a variety show place where, like, they'd have bands and then they'd have a few comedians. And then they just went to straight stand-up. But I think they went to straight stand-up in the 70s. Is that what it is? 78. 78. And so I think, I don't know, does that make them the oldest comedy club? It seems like the comedy store was around back then. I think that was full-time comedy then is what this says. But The comedy store that. wasn't full-time in the no, 70s? No, the I'm the What year did the store, was that 76? Find out what year the store was, was opened. You ever did the La Jolla store? I love that place. I love that room. I was there last Ooh, week. Ooh, that room's amazing. That That's room a is fun so room. cool. I like those people. I like San Diego people. Yeah, they real something chill. about San Diego people. They're like, they're they're like less LA, but more California. They you know are. I mean? They're like chill people. They are. They like nice Californians. Yeah, like you said, they're yeah, nice yeah, yeah, Californians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're not. They're not Hollywood. They're like no. all the California, but none of the Hollywood. Like regular folks yep. that live in a nice city in California with the great weather, but they're not Hollywood. Exactly. Yeah. You nailed it. I went down there and they had a, some festival going on downtown. They're I beautiful. ate this restaurant. It was nice. They're beautiful. I love them. I love Santa Barbara, too. You ever go up Santa Barbara? I don't spend a lot of time in Santa Barbara. Bro, Santa Barbara's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's the same thing. Not too many people. Yeah. It's like, it's nice. It's pretty. And he's like the- uh, the Comfortable. Pro- the most ergonomically designed chairs. <laughs> yeah. So it says the comedy store opened in 72, April of 72. But the uh, Ice House was running from 1960 to 78 as like a variety show. So mm-hmm. comedians were going the entire time. So that's why it's distincted as 
ongoing longest ongoing comedy club because it's been going on there. So it's had comedy forever, but it had other stuff as well. Right. Whereas the comedy store was only comedy, and that was seventy two. Right. Okay. Huh. And I, how damn, what work, did they? Then? How did what did it take to get? A, a, a weekend at the fucking Ice House. That was probably crazy, right? Oh, man. Well, there probably wasn't that many clubs back then, right? How'd you get work? You get a weekend at the Ice House. Shit, there's only one club. It's not that many fucking... Um, I know they had a shitload of comedians. There used to be a place that my friend Adam Ferrara used to work at that was in... It was in, like, fuck, like Westwood or Brentwood or something like that. That was a, a real clean place. You had to be clean to work there. I know. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know the club. They, yeah. I think they said it's the spot that Leno hits on like Oh, you're Sunday. thinking of the Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa, Yeah, right? yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. That's I wasn't thinking about that. No, I was thinking of, it was a place that Richard Jenny used to work out at all the time. <sighs> God damn it. I wish I could remember. But I remember Ferrara was working there and him and I were buddies and I was in the back of the room going, God, I wish I could work here. Cause, but I'm dirty. Too, oh yeah, too naughty. But those were, I found them rooms to be challenging too, on, on occasion. Super clean rooms. Yeah, yeah just to say they're I could weird. do it. It's weird. They're weird. I it love seems like they're Comedy waiting. Magic Club. I love it, that place. And when I go there, it seems like it's my crowd. But I've heard people say that you know they're told they can't talk about certain things, or they right. can't you know they have a real nice clientele. They've had them forever. They have like a certain vibe, and I don't begrudge the guy. That's his thing, you know. And he's and I would me do it. if I ever went. I would um, I would understand that going in. He's you know? the only club that ever told me I couldn't have Joey Diaz open for me, though. God damn. He <laughs> shut Joey down? He was like, he's too crazy. He's like, he said, I love no, him. Not- he goes, I love him, but I just can't. Goes, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> he's a great guy. But he's Yo, such he a gets- great guy, Joey didn't care. Joey loves him still. Yeah. He's like, I get it. I get it. I'm talking about eating mufflers. I get it. I get it. And Joey just said, Joey just said, give me the food. I'll take the food. The food is fantastic. They have one of the best comedy club, club steaks you ever Oh, you really? Oh, my God. The food at the Comedy Magic Club, it's like a really nice restaurant. Like, if you ate there as a restaurant, you'd be happy. So really? The food's very good, yeah. You have to wear a suit? No, do you? I hope not. It's never yeah, well, made me... the castle, the Magic Castle, I think they're... Oh, that's yeah. different. That's the Magic yeah. Castle. The Comedy and Magic... That's that that comedy magic club is in Hermosa Beach. The Magic Castle is in L.A. Okay, it's in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, that's that. I've never been to that one, but that one you have to wear a suit. Right? I want to go. Jimmy Schubert is a member of that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I can see Schubert. Hell yeah, you Schubert can. is he's very old school. Yeah, he got his fucking. He probably keep a deck of cards somewhere. That's hilarious. <laughs> Just in case he got to pull out a magic trick. Yeah, comedy and comedy and magic together is a weird combination. When they have those shows at the Comedy Magic Club, they'll have a magician do fifteen, and then you do stand up afterwards. It's real weird. It does it back, but it's and people enjoy it. It's like a cool variety thing down. I, I think, could do it. I, I've seen guys, the magician guys, like they don't get to go up, so they're just going around the parties, just like right, just like flipping cards and shit. Right, right, right. Them motherfuckers will suck all the women out of a fucking room. With trickery? Oh my god, yeah. Why do women like that kind of trickery? They just want to be, <laughs> I don't know, they just want to feel like, oh! They want to see some sorcery. Yeah, some type of sorcery Magic. going on. Oh. They, Whenever they go, it's like, you see them like, oh! Fairy tales are real. And that's when you start, shit start disappearing and mm. shit. I've been in fucking David Blaine fucking took my watch off before. Oh, did he really? Yeah, he do some crazy shit, How did he son. take your watch off? I don't know, man. He just t- did some David Blaine shit. That makes me nervous. This motherfucker regurgitated some frogs before. 
I just it just makes me nervous that a guy would be so slick he would actually be able to take your watch off. I know they exist. Yeah, people. You did. You said it. It happened to you. I know I other know. people have said it happened to them. He's done it. I don't. But it's it's I a team it. of them. It's always. Mm-hmm. I think it's a team of them. I just. I, I believe it, but I've never seen it. But I think there's there's levels to everything. If you get yeah. to some elite world champion gold medalist in the Olympics level of watch picking, <laughs> you know what I mean? Some dude just like, and it's, it's gone. Yeah, like, right. like you've seen dudes do shit with their hands when they when they move cards around, and it's c- fucking confusing. Their hands are so goddamn fast. Their dexterity when they're moving the decks together and doing that kind and of I shit. I mean, there's some dudes have control of their hands that's just off the charts. And if they're they're about picking watches, they could get you. They can get you. You just made me wa- look for my watch. I'm like, <laughs> did you just pick my shit? Have you ever been pickpocketed? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I've been robbed before, but never been pickpocketed. But I think it's like, what's this? That's when he fucking oh. <laughs> David Blaine threw up the fucking frog. Oh, where? Wh- where was the his, frog? In his stomach. Really? Yeah. Was the frog dead? No, it was alive. He oh, spit out three Jesus. of them, son. What kind of torture is that? He swallowed three he dead didn't frogs get any alive. For that. But they stayed in there. That's what's crazy. However he did it, it freaked everybody out in that fucking room. Bro, that takes balls to swallow a frog. Like, what happens if that thing br- has bacteria in it or some weird disease and it breaks down in your gut? What if you don't throw it up in time? What if that motherfucker don't come back out? Yeah. And he just, until he run out of breath, like, he just down there until he can't breathe anymore. His watch right there on the right. Really? Yeah, he's, while he's shaking his hands, he just did it. But how did he do it? He's, I mean. Let me see that again. He does in 10 seconds. He's already jiggling it right now. You can see him fucking with the strap. And it's David Blaine. See, I was fucking with the strap. Yeah. It's off. Now it's almost undone. Now it's gone. Wow. I was paying attention to that. Dude. That, that is impressive. The way he shook it. And, and he, he got his it. watch. And it seems like he did some sort of a magic trick with the cards, too. I'm sure he might. That's the part of Because that's the, what the, they're stunned the by, deception. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a misdirection. <clears> for sure. When people have that kind of hand control, stay the fuck away from them. That's a dangerous person. Yeah, man, wait. What do you much. have time to practice deception at that level? That's I don't want to get anything from David Blaine. That motherfucker just look. He just, oh, he gave it back. Bro, you heard Whitney Cummings' bit about magicians? No. She goes, they don't like women liars. That's why you never see women magicians. <laughs> And I was like, oh, shit. She said, that was one of those, when someone says something, you go, oh, shit, and that's you're like, true. That's a find, good one. <laughs> find me a fucking woman magician. There might be like three of them ever. I don't think they exist. The Women's Magicians Association of America is now outraged. I'm sure there's some women magicians, but you but don't But you know what? We don't never, I don't even know any of them. I don't know any of them. I know a bunch of male magicians, but maybe I'm a sexist piece of shit. Yeah, I, I don't understand how no woman has broke them. Um, the 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 magician um, right. <clears throat> barrier. Yeah, I think magic as like a Penn and Teller form or David Blaine form. I think it's an incredible art form that's very difficult for anybody. And if it's not in your culture, right? Like if it's not, it does not like a bunch of women magician guides and you know mentors that could help you figure right. it out and get. It's probably weird for them. Like who the fuck? Why they don't have too why many aren't examples? There? Why aren't there a lot of female magicians? People like magic shows, right? That's one hundred percent right. You ever go see Penn and Teller? It's a great show. I haven't seen them live. It's a fucking great show. It's I believe confusing. it is. They're, they're, they're too professional. They've been doing it for a while. But Jamie, what do you think? Well, I think there's no female magicians. How many of them there are there? Let's I just, guess. I just Googled famous female ones, and I have never heard of 
the, Any of them? The top five that came Let me out. see what you got. Give me a top five. I have no <laughs> idea. I don't even know where okay, to start. Okay, here we go. Faye Presto. She's probably going, I ain't never heard of you either, motherfucker. Uh, Misty Lee. Um, say that name. Ninkai. 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 Ninkai, maybe. Ninkai. Kristen Johnson. Dorothy Dietrich. Dietrich? Dietrich. Mm. Um, okay. I don't know who those people are either. I Maybe have no idea. Especially assistants. I don't know if there's some problem with crossover from assistant oh, to like maybe if you have you have villain. assistant and she's like super hot. She's like, I want to do magic too. You're like, baby, I'm the magician. You're the um the assistant. Like, but I can fucking do it. I know how. <laughs> you're like, but baby, it's nobody's paid attention. And then after a while, you know, she's hot and you're not, and he's just trying to keep her. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. Let's try something. <laughs> Let's try something. She can do it if she's a magician. She can make anything happen. Maybe if you just taught me with like a little more patience, maybe I could do exactly what you're <laughs> doing, but you're afraid. You're afraid that I'll be better than you. Is that what this says? <laughs> That's how she would be. I picture her with fiery red hair, a tight waist, a big ass. But I've really never ever, that's so crazy, I've never seen... A female ma- magician. When perform. Whitney said that joke, I was howling. I was like, "Ah, that's, that's one of those ones where you're like, oh my god, how come nobody ever pointed that out before?'" <laughs> she caught it and she ran a, with it. Oh, it's such a good point too. That's why we don't like women liars. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you've never seen a female magician. Because everybody has to go. Oh yeah. Well, oh Jesus Christ. What is it? There aren't any female magicians. You know, everybody's have to go. It's one of those things where you hear it and you go, "Fuck, she's right. She is right." What other job? Is there where there's like no females? There's a. This is a not the reason why, but this is an interesting point. Someone okay. asked this question in an article in 2013, and one person said the reason that some kids get into magic is because they got beat up, and oh. so like they had to find magic, and that's what led them to find making friends. And like a lot of girls don't end up having that. That problem. makes sense. I'm telling you, it's mm. a get. You'll get it. It's a chick magnet, right? They but, can. That's a really. I could really see that as something to, for a guy. This is to what build his confidence up. With. This is what we combine. There's not a lot of money in being like a fitness chick on Instagram, sticking your ass out. The market's kind of flooded, but you could separate yourself from the pack if you're a fitness chick who does magic. Magic with big tits and spandex. Come on, kids. That could work. That could work. Magic in like the most revealing, ridiculous yoga outfit. Oh. Yeah. Barefoot. That's crazy. Barefoot. Making shit disappear. Bending over for no Yo, reason all the time. Contortionist. Mark Macklemore says he's a magician now, releasing magic rap album. Good for him. Yeah, I heard this the other day. I like no that guy. Good for him. He's a magician. I bet he could do it. I mean, he's going to have magic rap. What can stop someone? Well, maybe he loved magic already. What can stop someone from being a magician? That's one of those gigs where like kind of anybody could do it. What, right? magician? Yeah. I mean, not anybody can do it well. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of skill to it. But I'm saying nothing's going to stop you from practicing. You could get a right. book. You could take classes, right? You could you could buy a kit, right? People learn how to do magic. Nothing can stop you. First ever magic rap album. Interesting. What do you think that could mean? <sighs> sort of Any, anything he wants it to mean. He's crazy. You know, he could do... Maybe it's just to get us to talk about it. Not us, but, you know, everybody. I mean... That's what they want. Something yeah. to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it's a good marketing move. It's a brilliant fella. He nailed it. We're all like, what? That's the move. You got to trick people these days. Trick them into anything. Just confuse them. It's almost what he's saying. He's like, what if I can buy my natural I got to go see my ability? son soon, son. You got to leave? 
I got to see my son, son. I just came in. Today is one of those days that I dread being on the road. I just came in from uh, Pleasanton this morning, and I came with you, and I'm going back out tomorrow, t- tonight on the red eye. Oh, it's a quick in and out. Yep. All right, well, let's wrap that's this the, up. And then it's like, that's the worst thing about the road for me is leaving my son. I get it. You know? I feel the same way. Not about your son, obviously. Yeah, thank but God. about my own kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, I'm out, and then you just like, certain times, like, you just want to be home. I just, yeah. this, this is a quick visit. It's a little upsetting, but I'm, I'll be back next week. Dude, we're going to get this podcast launched. It's going to change your life. You promise. It's launched. We got it. Can I say? Jamie can I just I say where I'm going to be? Yes, please. I'm going to be at the MGM uh, Springfield, the MGM Graham in Springfield. I think they have a comedy club there. MGM Graham. Springfield, and, Illinois? Springfield, no, no, Springfield, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Oh, and okay. Um, the, they just announced today that Martin Lawrence, the Lit Tour, Lit as, lit as Fuck Tour, is coming out. Tickets on sale. And I'll be doing some dates uh, coming this year. Beautiful. And Degenerates, son. And Degenerates on Netflix. Netflix. Uh, and the new, new podcast, which is going to be called Too Soon. You, pr- Donnell Rollins Show. Donnell Rollins Show. You Perfect. produced it. You already Perfect. said it, son. Perfect. It's real ghetto right now, but Perfect. I'll make it better. Perfect. Keep All it right. Keep it real. All yeah. right. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Dude, that's perfect. Just do it exactly like that. What? I love it.